circling back to the scoring chances, um, Eric Nystrom has put it back in the lineup for this game over Austin Watson, and yours truly did not take that well. I, I was You're, You weren't the only one. Yeah, well, I did the radio show beforehand, and I was just so upset. I was comically upset. I, I dialed back on Twitter a little bit. Uh, actually, yesterday, um, I said something to the effect of, I can't wait till I cannot extend any more energy thinking about Eric Nystrom. Yeah, I, here's, here's the, of the 10 scoring chances the Los Angeles Kings had during even strength. How many of them came with the fourth line on the ice? All of them. Uh, I'm going to say six of them. Four of them. Okay. But when you consider how many minutes they actually played, that's a ridiculous amount of, of, uh, of time to, to allow that many. So I'm guessing 40% of all their scoring chances on even straight came within, what, like seven minutes? Just about, yeah. Not not a lot of time. Yeah, that's not good. And this is a, and I bring that up because Colton Sissons has a positive scoring chance for versus against number. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best on the team at that, at limiting the other team's scoring chances and generating those of his own. So why this team goes back to the well of Nystrom, and that makes me worry that when Gostad gets healthy enough, they're just going to bump Sissons down just because he's the, you know, he's the veteran no, guy. There's a very real risk of that. And it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a cultural thing. And that's where I have to kind of throw my hands up because you hear a lot of like the color analysts and the, and the guys, well, this is the really, this is the hardworking line with the hardworking guys. I mean, if you think, Guys like James Neal and Ryan Johansson aren't going out there and busting their ass and working hard every single night to do what they do. Then you're lying. But there's there's a romanticism, if you want to even call it that. Um, I think it's more of an obsession or fixation on on that type of player. Yeah, and not only that, but you also hear like, oh, well, you know, they they need this guy's uh, leadership on the ice and in the locker room and everything like that. I mean, these are professional hockey players. If they cannot, um, you know deal with the fact that someone is not in the lineup, then they shouldn't be playing the game at all. I mean, they didn't miss a beat when he was out of the lineup before. And if your captains can't figure it out without this jockey Joe, or whatever you want to call Eric Nystrom on a bad day, then uh, yeah, you've got Shea Weber and Mike Fisher. Who's, who else is wearing A's these days? And James uh, Neal and Roman Yossi. Okay, yeah. there There's a whole stable of captains. That tells me those are the leadership guys in the team. Those are the guys who set the voice. The other guy just hits the play button on the tape deck. Welcome into a show that has uh, clinched the playoffs thanks to its former coach, because we you know, apparently can't get to the playoffs without the help of Barry Trotz around here. This is the Fredcast brought to you by Lions on Internet Marketing Solutions and on the forecheck.com. He's Christopher Link, I'm Dan Bradley, and that is Alex. Hello. Introduce yourself. I'm Alex Doherty. That's a, that's a lot right there. <laughs> um, take, take, take the rest of the, the uh, episode to spell that. Yeah, pretty much. Is it like one of the? Is it spelled like the old, like the proper British way, or how's it spelled? Well, it's technically Irish, um, but uh, it is spelled D A U G H E R T Y. Okay, so like your like the old lineage would it be like a like they have like a they have like an old world meaning to it, or it it comes from the technically it's the O Docherte clan. That's legit. My goodness. Yeah, but uh, 
No, it's it's great to be here. I'm thank thank you for having me, and uh, I, I of course I, I help out with the pre previews and recaps. Good, good on the on the uh, on the blog. <laughs> good, <laughs> yes, you do do the recaps. <laughs> at ten thirty at night, damn it, get it done. <laughs> so um, it is a grind, but it, it's fun. I, I yeah. enjoy it uh, because we have the whole year to kind of get to know John, and we're right we're one week before the playoffs. It's uh, we're all about character development here. This is this is your favorite, you know, two hour long audio special. It's right there with Serial, right up there at the top of the iTunes playlist. Mm-hmm. Not really your iTunes um, playlist, my iTunes playlist, and everyone who's listening's iTunes playlist. Hopefully so, damn it. Hopefully so, Alex. Uh, we do have a few questions to kind of get to know you a bit better. Okay. Um, number one, if you had to attend a non Predators hockey game and wear a non Predators jersey, where would you go? And what would you wear? I would go to a Florida Panthers game and I would wear a Yager jersey. Man, that's that's he's, he's after my own heart. <laughs> like, <laughs> but what? it's I mean that's what I would do. I, I Yager is Yager's amazing. Like, what would you do? Oh, I'd go to a Flyers game and wear a Yager's jersey, <laughs> <laughs> like a Yager uh, Flyers or a like yeah. Yager Panthers. Y- Yager Flyers. And then we could go to a Devils game and both wear Yager jersey. No, <laughs> go to a Dallas game. I'll go to I'll go to a Devils game and wear a Yager Flyers jersey. Sure. And get punched in the neck. Right. Number two, what is the best concert you have personally ever seen? Um. Well, I, I went to Bonnaroo two years ago, and I saw this. I mean, I saw Elton John, and that was great. Uh, that was it. Was, it really was good. And then uh, before that, I saw. I think the reason it was good is because just before that, I saw Kanye West, and that was just terrible. So it was like the con- <laughs> the contrast was was really great. So. Oh. But it was it was a fantastic show. He did a great job. I mean, it was it was really really enjoyable. Link, um, oddly enough, I went I went to a concert to see Street Manifesto several years ago, and they were fantastic. But the opening band was a uh, a folk punk group called Larianus Flask, and it was phenomenal. Like one of those concerts where they where they end and. All the the guy like literally a guy broke a bass like an upright bass he was playing he broke one of the strings broke in the middle of the thing and the guy just improvised for probably five minutes while he replaced the string so the guy's just improvising with with like the lead singer was like playing guitar and had like a kick drum that he was playing so he's like playing drums and playing guitar at the same time and you know they ended by jumping in into the middle with everyone and like banging on drums and saying it was it was awesome wow really awesome it was actually at uh, ex- exit in I was about to say where did, where did this take place it's at exit in yeah that's a good awesome. place for that. Number three, what is your personal favorite barbecue joint of choice, and what do you order when you are there? In, in Nashville? In Nashville. I go to Edley's. Okay. Almost every week, and I, I mean, if I'm at lunch, if it's lunch, I get the brisket. Uh, if it's if it's dinner, I get the wings. All right. Wherever people, if people are like, bringing a barbecue, I'm like, where are we going? That's my favorite place at the moment. I don't really eat a lot of barbecue. <laughs> We've tolerated you for so long, yeah. <laughs> Number four, uh, if you could interview any coach in the NHL, who would you choose? Right now, probably John Tortorello. Just I think that would be entertaining. Be a quick interview. Yeah. Link. Mm. And in the NHL? Yes. Current coach that is currently in the Current NHL. Current coach in the NHL. Um, I don't know. Maybe Tom McClellan. That'd be fun. I'm sure he's got some stories. I, w- I want to know why the San Jose Sharks didn't get it done with him, and maybe he I could shed some light on that. No, I, I don't think he's got an explanation for that. I think it's just bad luck, and, and I want to know what it's like to move from the glorious promised land of San Jose, California, to the frozen tundras of death that is Edmonton, Alberta. <laughs> I think Bob Hartley would be fun. Uh, Daryl Sutter probably be who I'd put on there just because, you know, I, I'd 
it would be a long interview because I'd, I'd have to get him to put subtitles up underneath him. I wouldn't mind talking to uh, Lambert. Adam Lambert, is that? Lane Lambert? Lane Lambert. La- thank you. I couldn't remember his first name. You'll, you'll learn, Alex, that I am incredibly bad about names. That's okay. Super bad about names. Just for hair tips, really. That's <sighs> Lane Lambert for some hair tips. Beautiful hair. And number five. Uh, Can I also say, I, I might sure. also want to interview Claude Julian to ask him how uh, how he feels about getting Jimmy VZ. I'd want to interview Claude Giroux just because. Yeah. Uh, who wouldn't? Play a game of grab ass with you afterwards. Number five, uh, what is your current favorite beer and favorite wine? Well, I actually don't drink anymore. I, I, I did. But when I when I drank, uh, I was a big fan of Lagunitas. Hmm. Lagunitas IPA. That was, a, that was a big one. A good friend of mine, Steve... Uh, he, I, I, I have not seen him at, at the bar where we watch soccer drink anything but Lugany's IPA mm-hmm. for two years. <laughs> I'm not joking. He, that, he walks in, he just raises his hand, they pour him Lugany's and just give it to him. Mm-hmm. Do you have an EPL team? Liverpool. Oh, this is going to be a fun podcast. <laughs> no, it could be worse. It could be Arsenal. Man, no, right. well, if you ask about how our weekend was, this is going to be fun. Right. Link, how was your weekend? That was actually exactly where I was. This was going afterwards. Um, it was good. I actually got a lot done. Um, I, I fixed my doorbell. My doorbell broke. U.S. Postal Service broke my doorbell. Whoa. And that's I'm uh, the only person who rings it like every week, so I'm disappointed, man. Uh, so I fixed the doorbell. Um, I I installed some USB AC outlets, which is super fun. Um, that's cool. Uh, almost had to get into a a actual fist fight with the visiting Liverpool fans on Saturday. <laughs> Uh, they decided, a group of them decided they were going to come to the bar, the uh, National Spurs bar for the match. Um, they were incredibly crass. They they had, uh, they had they said a lot of homophobic things. They said a lot of sexist things. Uh, we had numerous complaints. Uh, after they left, they uh, one of them lingered behind and cut down our banner outside, to which we had to, had to confront him. Uh, then other people, an Arsenal guy who was there, who's a, who went on and, and actually threatened one of our female members. And then uh, some of the Liverpool people went on to Facebook as well into one of the groups and uh, continued to slander the entire club. So it was more about how about handling that, um, scheduling meetings with the bar uh, in order to be like, here's certain we'd like to have these certain people we we, we don't want here. They're ruining the, the environment. Um, yeah, it was just it, Saturday was a little rough. I mean, we we handled it. Um, fortunately, the guy he was a tough guy on the internet, but he 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 walked when he left where we were. He was very very uh, it was a sad puppy dog when he left. Keyboard warrior. So, oh, definitely. So yeah. Are these are these members of the Nashville Cop by any chance? Yes. Okay. I I'm I'm familiar with it. I they are. I, yeah. I should say are, that I'm not. A I know. Fervent. I there are. I have met more good quality Liverpool fans. Then I have met poor ones. It just so happens that the poor ones are the ones who come out to other other teams' bars, and they give other Liverpool supporters a really bad name. They do um, have a Blackhawks mentality in that respect. Yeah, and and uh, you know they, they were just it was it was really unpleasant. It was ant- the antithesis of everything National Spurs tries to be. Um, you know, we we want to be inclusive, we want everyone to feel welcome and safe, and they made they made our members feel unwelcome and unsafe in their own bar. Uh, wow. Yeah, and so I actually I'm using this as a platform in case there's any Liverpool fans or, or people who may be involved with the the natural cop uh, that are listening that that may be able to identify these people and say and and maybe talk to them or do something about it because you know Nash, that's not what Nashville as a city is about. 
Well, I, I, I can, I mean, I certainly have no sway in that. I, I, I merely like them on Facebook. That's all I have. That's, that's my the extent of my involvement. Uh, but um, that's that's really too bad. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean, that, that's shame. the kind of stuff that, that gives a lot of soccer a bad name. It was it was a, it was a shame. Um, and you know we're you know it'll be taken care of. But it's just you know it's it's especially with the draw, especially when it was a good soccer game. Yeah, I thought was. it was a good game. Yeah, it was. Um, very exciting. So it's just it's a it's a shame uh, that it had to end that way. Uh, the only thing I did overly special over the weekend is uh, other than watching uh, Everton give a classic Everton performance today would be uh, yeah. I went to uh, went to the Perch uh, downtown, and I have never been to the downtown Perch before. The Perch is just a cool little coffee place that's around town. If you're visiting, there's one in Brentwood. There's uh, one, I believe, in Hillsborough Village, that area. There's one in West Haven, and there's one downtown close to Municipal Auditorium. Mm-hmm. I've heard good things about Perch, actually. Crapes, bro. Yeah. Um, now, is it named after the th- like a perch that a bird would sit on, or after the fish? After the you know where the, where a bird would sit. Okay, I just want to check. My but, wife works real real near there. I work near there actually too. In Brentwood? Been, no, and the 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 one downtown. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I would go broke if I lived in that building that was directly above it. Yeah, like it's she works in that building. Like the almond bark latte, I could just hook, hook up an IV and just heat it up and put it in my veins. It's so good. It's hard to taste it that way. Yeah, but you know what? That's just, why they don't do cherry flavored heroin. I, yeah, I mean that's you know. Is that why? I'm sure yeah, Nick, that's the only reason. Literally, the only reason. But what does Nikki Six own the patent for it? I don't understand. Who? Nikki Six. <laughs> Motley Crue. Okay. It's yeah. Names. I don't I'm, do names. I'm bad. I'm bad with musical names. references on the show. Apparently. No, you just had, you just had a hardcore like hard rock and metal fan who sat there for a while. That's true. This is true. Yeah. So you could make all of those, and he knew them all. I, I wish I could take on John's role as uh, as as hard rock metal, but I I, I know he, zero. He drops of it. out stuff that I've never even heard of before. Right. Like I'm, I'm sorry, I've I've went out of my metal phase. Like I'll I'll listen to some Pantera when I'm working out, but after that, like that's it, guys. Like I'd put on my Fleetwood Mac and pull me a <laughs> bottle of wine, and I'm great. Actually, I, I, friend, some some colleagues at work. <laughs> this is several. This is a couple months ago. We we all got in my car to go to lunch, and I had an, a CD in my car by a band called uh, Break Anchor, which is I mean, it, it, they're considered a melodic punk band, um, but I always forget because I've listened to punk music for so long that a mid-tempo melodic punk band to me that's pretty like, okay, this is yeah, this is pretty straightforward, pretty normal stuff. To other people, it's like, what is happening? You, they mm. they were like, you wait, listen to this in the mornings? Like, this is what this is actually just fairly melodic, pleasant type. I just it doesn't even register with me. <laughs> you you you've established what your normal is. Yeah. And- well, I gotta have a what's, spectrum. What's now. weird is that I then it's like, okay, here, let me change. I actually put on churches, so I mean, we would do like a big one eighty there. Speaking of one eighties, uh, let's unfortunately talk some hockey. Uh, Predators <laughs> went zero three and one this week after having an awesome week last week. So all the good mushy feelings about this hockey team. We, we actually the game preview that John put out there wouldn't well, even talk about the game against the Avalanche. It was about like, oh, who are we gonna play against the playoffs? Or what's our course number gonna be tonight? It's like seventy to twenty. The Avalanche came out and dropped three quick goals on the Predators, put them in a three-hole hole. They got one back and then just were chasing the game from then on. Rotten defense was just a theme of the entire week, and it started with this game against the Avalanche. Uh, Rene, for the first time this year, gets yanked. Uh, Hutton comes in, stops 14 of 15. I mean, they tried to fight back. They got a couple of late goals to make us feel better, but for the most part, this game sucked. And in every sense of the word for Nashville, just had a chance to clinch the playoffs, had a chance to really take Colorado out and had to worry about seeding for the rest of the week, completely missed the boat on this one. You know, I I have to admit, I think the game was a little bit, there was a little bit of bad luck involved, but it was also that the, uh, 
the Predators fell into a dangerous pattern that they've had for this whole season in that the scoring chances they were trying to create were not the scoring chances that, that helped them find success. I mean, they scored, I think, was it 4-3? to three? Yeah. 4-3, to three, so there were three goals. Well, all those goals came from very traditional Predators areas, the points or, you know, uh, from, you know, somewhere in the circles. Did not come anywhere near the net. So, yeah, they were taking their normal kind of low-danger shots and... That shows, and and they suffered for it, and that's the big difference. When when you break down the game, Colorado, when they were getting in, even though they they took fewer shots overall, their shots were very very dangerous. They were getting prime scoring areas. The Predators were not, um, and then that goes back to what you're saying: defense being a problem. Uh, the defense is really responsible for those high danger areas and keep keeping those clear, and they cannot seem to find a way to lock that down. I, I, at the same time, when when Yossi scored. And it was four to three. Um, there was a there was there was hope. You you fast forward. You rewound for a second to that Canucks game, uh, to to previous games that it seemed hope seemed lost. So even a loss, you know, if you remember late last year, they they lost a lot of games and it was just they they had no chance. It wasn't even there was really no coming back in a lot of those. Um, and they still finished second in the league, but I think none of us really felt good going into the playoffs. I mean, yeah, oh three and one, and this that particular game was bad, but the, simply, simply coming back, I think uh, I think things felt things felt a little better in the in the third period, and then then they got really bad the next day. Yeah, when you look at their shot chart, just like what you were saying, like of the uh, inside with the uh, not not quite home play, but even like the more inner area from the uh, from the the face-off dots inward and just around the crease area. One, two, three, four shots. One, five on five, four shots. Yeah, one blocked and one missed. Compare that to the Avalanche. They had two goals from inside this area. Yeah, they weren't getting inside. I mean, all their shots came from either at the top of the, uh, either like right near the blue yeah. line or just not a game where it was, it was that, that to me speaks to effort is that you have a team that's bad at defense like as the Colorado Avalanche a are. One, uh, they, probably the most one-line team in the entire league, too. And with that one line, Duchesne was out. Uh, McKinnon was out as well. That was the disappointing thing. Yeah, you, your number one center for the Colorado Avalanche, Carl Soderberg, for that night. I don't know. He's got a, he's got a, he's got a first-line center name. He's got a first-line center salary, too, apparently. But yeah, overall, just an absolute disappointment. But Blake Como has twelve goals, and haven't they all come against the Predators? I think so. I think he's like the new Jack Skilly, right. like the one guy who can like make an absolute career playing as the Nashville Predators. Uh, they they poured it on the third, but I mean, that, you I mean, expect that. Hooray, score effect! Yeah, exactly. Score I was score about effect. to say score <laughs> effect. Like Colorado didn't even have a quote a re- a five on five uh, shot attempt after the like the fifty yeah. second minute. But no, it was, it was just I mean, it was just the first period. They came the, the right. Avalanche coming out fresh, coming out and playing really really hard and desperate. And yeah, and and Pekka didn't make all the saves. I mean, I don't know if a lot of those were his fault. I think it was more of a preservation thing to pull him. But it's you, you can't give up three goals that rapidly. It's just not scoring four goals in, for any NHL team is difficult, except for Dallas. Yeah, and if you put yourself three down and it's not even the end of the first period, there's not a good chance you're going to win. The fact that the Predators even came close is reasonably impressive, but it's one of those things. The effort has to start from the first minute, not in the, I don't know, yeah, 30th minute, 40th minute, 50th minute, whatever. Yeah, we don't see them rely on that too many times. One uh, final note about this one. Eric Nystrom played the only 7.22 in this game, which we're used to seeing the fourth line below 10 minutes. Not a big deal. But he only played 722 against the Avalanche and was healthy scratch the next two games. 
So interesting to keep an eye on. Now that Nystrom is healthy, now he's just being healthy scratched. So this is progress, folks. This is actual progress that we have established that Colton Sisson's greater than sign, Eric Nystrom. And this is a victory for us, Linkman. I mean, the we, fa- okay, because I have to be super negative because it makes me happy inside. What's your character? Uh, ouch. Um, I don't know why... Laviolette had to play Nystrom multiple times to determine that he is not as good as a guy who's clearly better. And he's got years, you know, to, to see. It's like, maybe maybe after having a rest of injury, Nystrom's suddenly good again. He hasn't been good in two years, but maybe now, now that he's been injured again, <laughs> he's ready. I mean, how many times has Nystrom been down with injury this year? Uh, like, he's every time he gets close, he plays a game and gets injured again. Well, one was the, the the slap shot to the ankle. I guess that wasn't really yeah predictable. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's how, how many times are you going to put the guy out there and, and get poor results? Although he does have what four, seven goals. <laughs> I mean, there, you can't don't be that guy. <laughs> you, you mean you can? We can discount that all we want. But at the end of the day, he's in the right place. You know, by it's it's he's an effort player. He'll give him that. He's not definitely a talent player. He's definitely an effort player. And there's nothing wrong with being a career effort player. But when you're paying a guy $2.4 million implies that he has more talent than what he should. Nystrom is is a guy that Stu Grimson would refer to as a hard-working player. Straight-line player. Which is, which is no, hard-working players is one of Stu's favorite things. And I love when he says that because it's like, oh, I had no idea that James Neal never worked hard. No one right. works that, hard. That, guy. <laughs> that, that drives me nuts. Anytime somebody says, he's, oh, yeah, the hard-working blue-collar, I'm like, all these guys bust their asses. What mm-hmm. are you talking about? Like Mike Fisher and James Neal are like the hardest working guys on the ice for the most part. Yeah. But I mean, you can't sit there and tell me that Craig Smith and, and Philip Forsberg don't work hard. Right. Kind of dumb. You have to work hard to be in the right position all the time. Therefore, Barrett Jackman is definitely a hardworking player, given that he's lumbering around his Provel-shaped body in the right places and he's doing what his thing. I would challenge that Provel has no shape. Therefore, I'm confused by your statement. One, uh, nothing about Jackman real quick before we turn the page. Um, with the uh, yellow helmet and the jersey, he definitely looks like Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he has like the perfect, like, perfect permanent five o'clock shadow, just the big eyes. He's Homer Simpson. Uh, okay, so that was on Monday night. Tuesday night, they go to Dallas, and despite the, the, the promising start, Ellis gets a shorthanded goal. Uh, not too long after that, he takes a puck to the dome, and uh, after that, the Predators were never really the same. After that, um, Jamie Ben ties it. The floodgates open up. Uh, Spezza gets behind the defense as well. There are very few teams that um, that can absolutely exploit someone like a Ryan Ellis going out. And Ryan yeah. Ellis is a very smart player. He is always he's on point with his positioning. Dallas did their best to get behind him and get behind the defense uh, when Ellis went out. And uh, those two goals in under a minute were just an absolute backbreaker. But on the second half of a back-to-back, here's one, here's one thing that did bother me. The second half of a back-to-back, this is not really a consequential game. Roman Yossi plays 31 minutes. Ah, the Duncan Keith treatment. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, where do you guys want to start with this one? This was a bad I, one. You know, the, the, the thing that I'm trying to pull open... I mean, three to two. I mean, it's okay. Three to two with two empty netters. This game, hundred percent. This, this, I believe this statement is entirely accurate. I do not believe it can be argued with. That is my stance and opinion. Which is weird that I have an opinion about something I'm going to say is not an opinion. Uh, I'm adding character, Dan. That's our keyword for the day. That's our keyword for the day's character. 
Look at the PDOs for this game. Oh, for Christ's sake. Come on. The Predators PDO was 85, Dan. 85. Look at Dallas's PDO, which I'm trying to pull open. Pull, yeah. pull open. Nashville hit four posts in the third period. That's a lot of posts. That's against lot Nashville, of posts. they were 100. Okay, obviously, yeah, it's inverse. It's PD. God. Um, 115. <laughs> so, so <laughs> what that tells me, and if you look at Corsi and scoring chances and high danger, all the little factors, Dallas did what Dallas does in that they either exploited ridiculously high shooting percentages, and for some reason, every puck was going past. I mean, those are ridiculous numbers. They, in, they, I mean, they tend to suggest that that it's just one of those aberration games. I think it was a combination. I mean, when Ellis went down, I, I, if I remember correctly, and I think they stuck with this, is, is Granberg stuck with the Ekholm, and then that happened again. Well, last night and then the rest of the week, and uh, I think so. It's a combination of losing Ellis, and then that combination is has really been pretty bad the last few games, and Dallas exploited that to the T. Yeah, Dallas. Uh, the the go back on your numbers here, Russ. Um, Shot attempts, Nashville 50 to 34 during even strength. Scoring chances, 26 to 15. High danger scoring chances, 9 to 4. They even had, they even had, um, Predators even had more starts in the offensive zone. I mean, everything was in the Predators' favor in terms of, of game actions. It was a 3 to 2 game with two empty netters, and the 3 to 2 so, was yeah. pretty so, darn so close. So this, this tells me it was a game. I, I mean, maybe the Ellis thing rattled them to, but it didn't, it, it, it it doesn't seem to have affected them through the course of the game because they continued to outchance and out opportunity and just shred Dallas. They just couldn't. St- I mean, nothing was was not making it to the back of the net. And if well, you look, it's a weird the, sentence. Yeah, and if you look at the map of like where the shots came from, they did a really good job of keeping Dallas away from the faceoff circles or below the faceoff circles when Dallas had the puck yeah. on a uh, on a contested zone entry. Yeah. Now, breakaways, different story. because yeah. Dallas loves to play for the breakaways. That's that's their bread and butter. They're like a more successful Avalanche, except they have some semblance of defense. And they have Jamie Ben. And they have Jamie Ben. Oh, Jamie Ben's game. pretty darn good. I hate Jamie Ben. What's the hatred? I mean, I've I've said in the show multiple times. It was yeah. it, it stems only from oh God, was it four or five years ago now maybe or three four years ago um, when the Dallas Stars season ended they didn't make the playoffs and they sent Ben down to oh, the minors yes. to play in the Calder Cup Finals. That's right. And all of a sudden it's like Hershey Bears are destined to win. Now they're going to lose to the Texas Stars. And the Texas Stars are typically pretty good because Dallas. Well, the the Bears were stacked that year, um, and they were just walking their way. And then all of a sudden, you throw a guy who is more than NHL ready on the ice, and he just shreds everybody. Didn't Jamie Ben play and go play in like Germany or somewhere during the uh, lockout? Maybe. Yeah, probably so. I'm pretty sure he did. Well, I mean, I, I have it on my notes that this was a respectable loss against the Pittsburgh Penguins, but um, uh, no, I think I, okay. There's a couple things that went into the Penguins game. Um, I, I do think the Predators played. Okay, uh, the issue was they were going up against a Pittsburgh team on the on having an upswing, so a team feeling really good. Uh, a lot of their pieces are clicking. Everyone's in a good mood. That that can hurt a lot, and you get on early quickly on the road to a team like the Penguins in that sort of environment, and they can just come up. They can just you know become overbearing, and you know I think that's I think that's a good honest loss by the Predators. They could have. There's things they could have done to improve, like, little detail things. Uh, but, you know, I'm not too disturbed over. And I don't think they also, this they, they of course, didn't have 
Ellis. No, the, the, which is so, which is just showing how key he is in terms of of running things. And I think was that what the game where Arvidsson played point on the power play? No, yes. that was a Dallas game. Was uh, it the Dallas where game? He started that one. The way they started it, yeah. But he did play on. The he did play on the point. Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh was nine and one going into that game. Yeah, that so you you were playing a, a very very hot team, and and you know when when Flurry is feeling good, uh, he he's. You're He's saying tough. confidence? Is that the buzzword with goaltenders anymore? Confidence? Oh, I mean, I think there's some plays into it. I mean, you're yeah. one one against the world a lot of times. You need to have confidence. The running theme with this, so the Avalanche, Stars, and the Penguins, what do these teams all have in spades, especially on their second and third lines? Speed. I was going to say Sidney Crosby, Jamie Benn. And second and third lines. I was, before you said the second <laughs> and third line part, obviously. Uh, I mean, when they can roll out Benino, uh, Carl Hagelin and Phil Kessel, and Carl Hagelin and Phil Kessel are two of the fastest skaters yeah. in the NHL, let alone the East, let alone the Penguins, the fastest skaters in the NHL. And they were just shredding Nashville. Hey, that was that was tough to watch. Uh, shots, uh, even strength uh, shots for 30 to 15 in favor of the Penguins. Pretty rough. That's a lot. That's a big number. Um, I, I, the one thing I did not, uh, well, several several things that I didn't didn't like about, about that game Um. I didn't. I didn't understand why they pulled Pecorine before the third. I, I really didn't. I, some people justified that by saying that it, 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 he could he'd used twenty minutes of rest or that he had played poorly. I didn't think he played all that poorly, considering how he had been uh, recently. Uh, I convinced me otherwise. I, I didn't. I don't. I didn't get. The, I didn't understand why they pulled him there. Uh, I don't think it would have done him any good to sit there and get shredded by the Penguins. I think that I think that if you listen to Laviolette's comments after the game, he was just like, "Look, we didn't have it tonight. We looked like we were tired." I think he was just trying to protect his guy at that point. But I, I thought I thought the buzzword was confidence. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's like if if, if you, it's if counterintuitive. Coach, yeah, yeah, it definitely is counterintuitive. The only uh the only defenseman that actually had a really good week this past week as far as uh, keeping shots away from his own net was Shea Weber and uh, Roman Yost. Everyone else was. Well under negative fifty percent as far as a well. shot attempts for yeah and well, Elliot Elliot didn't really show much um, I mean he seemed to slowly improve but he was definitely just the slowest defenseman out there in terms of awareness and, and reacting to things on the ice and right that doesn't help Jackman too much since he's already just slow at the one th- I mean he can react but he's not going to get there very quickly you no. know Granberg continues to Granberg he, he didn't have a bad week but you could tell he was a bit overmatched. Um, we get into the San Jose game as well. He didn't look over. None of the guys really looked overmatched or anything uh, until about the third period, where it felt like they just they knew San Jose was coming and they decided to just kind of tuck it in uh, for that one. I was um, just I was emotionally defeated by the time this game rolled around. I was kind of numb at that point. Yeah, I just sort of I, I'm more <laughs> I'm more experienced the Sharks game than really watched it. I don't know if that makes sense because I was like I was. I saw the the jerseys and the skating and the and the and the puck thing, <laughs> but it didn't like nothing was penetrating my so you brain. So just like watching like a simulation, like like the the demo. Like it was it was like game. watching a um a football manager simulation, With where like it's just a little like the little right. oh, oh yeah pre pre three D graphics yeah know, the little dots around. yeah it was sort of like that. I got the vague color impressions, but that was about it. Hutton was in net. Uh, Predators clinched on Friday thanks to the Capitals winning. Um, they had a two goal. They had a two goal lead going into the third. Now we can talk real quick about this. Uh, oh, I, w- I want to talk about how they lose out the week and clinch a playoff spot. <laughs> yeah, literally backing up into the playoffs. But uh, the end of the first period, what, how close was that? That was probably like the clo- one of the closest buzzer beaters I think I've ever seen. 
I mean, I we we were kind of stunned why they took it off the board. I mean, how is that con- how was the that conclusive evidence? I mean, I we didn't for, this was from the stands, but I, I, to my knowledge, the the video review has to be conclusive, correct? That yeah. has to be conclusive. And you can actually not... see the puck with their zero 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 on there. You can actually see the puck like an outline well, of of where it is um, on the other side of the line. I don't think outside it, of the goal no. or or inside the net. Inside the net, right? I mean, we can see. You know, it, it's there kind of a, go. It's definitely like as a Bruder film, you know, right. back into well, the But left. where, I mean, that's at zero. Where was it at point, point one, one. Yeah. or point two? I mean, because the thing that drives me really nuts about the NHL uh, is is that the game clock we see in the arena mm-hmm. is different than like the game clock you see at home, which is different than the game clock that Toronto uses to judge everything. Right. There's about four different game, because it was also the game clocks by the guys who are actually keeping track of things. I mean, there are so many different clocks and, they, and the one they go by is one that no one gets to see unless they show it to us. And I suppose that from their perspective, it doesn't really matter because the official time is the official time. Whatever the fans are doing is fine with them. But Yeah, that, that timer is entertainment. Right. The timer that we don't get to see is the real one. And that's that's frustrating. Yeah. But it, it does it does appear as if the, there was not conclusive evidence to say that's not a goal. It was called a goal on the ice. It's similar to, some, very similar to the uh, the Forsberg non-goal in St. Louis oh, from last year. On that one. I mean, it, it's similar though. I mean, because because there was no, we they called it they called it a goal, correct? And then they came back and said no goal. Yeah, there was. I mean, there, I actually got to the point where I was like bringing my phone up to the TV screen and seeing the puck co- cross the line before you see Elliot's glove go over it. Didn't matter. Bork scored afterwards, but right, uh, right. this one we had to wait a little bit for Yarncroke scores to get put him up two goal or two to nil. Where do we want to go with that third period? Uh, they could. They could not. They could not enter the sh- the San Jose zone. They could not get into the defensive zone or into into the attacking zone. San Jose absolutely shut them down in the neutral ice. They they were they were so fast getting around them. San Jose had all the chances and of course tied it up. I mean, honestly, the Predators were lucky to not lose it in over or lose it in regulation. Yeah, the shot attempts uh, were ridiculously in favor of San Jose, sixty-one to thirty-six in regular and uh, five on five scoring chances, twenty-seven to sixteen in favor of the Sharks. High danger, eleven to four. Now, some of this is score effect, but by the time that it was uh, two nothing, the Sharks, I mean, were already well ahead as far as the uh, far as your counts go. I mean, the Sharks were were I were the better team, I think, from yeah. the get go. I mean, they Nashville scoring early goals, or I say early the an early ish goal, and then scoring early in the second did not impact the Sharks' game plan at all. And no. that's that I I actually love seeing that from a team. Where the other, whatever the other team's doing, they're going to adapt to the play, the style, mm-hmm. and they're not going to get beaten down. And it's sort of like uh, harkens back to that Colorado game where the Avalanche came out and obliterated the Preds, and the Predators are sort of like, eh, I guess they won. <laughs> we'll we'll just we'll just you know eat some extra hot dogs in the intermissions between the four, you know we're trying to get nauseous in the last twenty minutes of the game, and that'll be fine. Yeah, it, it really seems like this team is. Someone put it out on Twitter that this team looks bored right now. Mm. Like, it is kind of boring. I mean, like, I no, agree. It's the team, I was bored. The team itself is. I bored. know. I'm saying I'm bored as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm. I'm okay. With I, it. I think that point belonged solely to Carter Hutton. Yeah, Carter. Carter got him a point on that one. Carter Drug, cares. Carter. Yeah. Yeah. He, he drugged <laughs> well, them, kicking and screaming to overtime. Is, yeah. is he still? Is he signed through next year? No. No. So he's he's playing for a contract still. So he definitely cares. What, what do you have? Thirty-seven saves. Is that what he had last? Yeah, it was something. That's a big number. 
So they finished the week 0-3-1. Um, and on Monday, we also, right before the Avalanche game, actually during the Avalanche game, yes. there was an awkward press conference, which we'll dive a little bit more into the VZ situation. So, oh, do we have to, Dan? We could, you know, I'm going to set a timer. We're going to spend four minutes. Four minutes. Four minutes. <laughs> Why four? Because we can't. We say we didn't even spend five minutes on that. Can we go three and a half? Uh, we're going to go four, Bob. <laughs> um, it's Alex. They started the week. Uh, they started right. the week with um, only two points back from Chicago, and now Chicago has disappeared into the distance. By the way, any of you guys catch the uh, Blackhawks Bruins game today? They, they almost came back six to four, <laughs> and then that that was and. The Blackhawks had a oh, six to nothing. Hurt, though. The Blackhawks had a six to nothing lead at one point. Right. The Bruins so, I mean, scored yeah. four straight goals. But on, on but there's no Crawford. So no Crawford. Net? Was it Darling? It was Darling. Yeah. Keith so is I mean, those first four game goals without Keith. Yeah. I'm just gonna say, yeah, no Keith and no no Crawford. I'll give you a four for the Blackhawks. It's pretty good in that case. And Patrick Kane has a hundred points now. Yeah. Isn't he great? One hundred points. Uh, there's Predators are solidly in the one wild card by four points. Uh, likely <laughs> playing the likely playing the Pacific Division winner. So it's gonna be either the Kings or the Ducks in the first round. We'll get into the matchups a bit later on as well. But first, before we get to any of that, we got a uh, bushel. I'm going to go with bushel this week. A bushel of questions from you people. Wow, I'm hungry and that just doesn't help. Mm. Bushel of what, though? Uh, cherries. I don't like cherries. No. Apples. Uh, I like cherries. Apples are fine. Um, I, I would go with a, with a bushel of fried rice. <laughs> That's how I like to That's order it. That's a deep it. pull, man. It's a deep pull. Um. Oh, I ate so much dishonest yesterday that I haven't eaten since. I'm starving now. Uh, I had the um, I had some type of like really awesome omelet, the latte from the perch, and then also had like a strawberry and cream crepe. And I wasn't right the rest of the day. I'm like, I'm still full. I'm good. <laughs> so uh, let's leave this off. Uh, the Snide writes in, besides injuries, what is the thought process behind splitting Ek- up uh, Ekholm and Ellis? And do you agree with this strategy moving forward? Well, they split them up because Ellis is broken. Um well, they spun him up before, I'm too, just, though. I'm making a joke. Uh, no, I mean, the reason is because you're trying to... It's about balancing your, your lines. And you want your best... They have the two, you know, quote-unquote best guys together. First pairing, you need guys to do those hard minutes to play the bulk of the, bulk of the time. After that, you, you don't want to have obvious holes. And, you know, ha- thinking about a bottom pairing... I mean, I trust Jackman, but he's not going to do anything spectacular. I don't trust any of Potato, Granberg, or Elliot. And so when you're in a position where you have to play two of those guys, you need to break them up because you, someone has to be babysitter, unfortunately. Isn't this a theme with Lobby, though? Late in the season, he just shuffles things up. This happened last year. I mean, there was more with the Fords. I mean, I don't know that there was really any thought behind it other than other than uh, perhaps to, to groom Granberg or, or Potato for a... Um, a more of a top four role I, I don't, for I, for I, a summer trade of some sort, maybe. Either that or is a lessen the load of Ekholm and Ellis going into the playoffs. Because whenever the playoffs start, right. maybe you throw uh, if Ellis comes back, you can put Ellis and Ekholm back together, have both uh, them and the Weber pairing play north of twenty two minutes, and then just have Jackman with whatever scrub that's left to you know play another ten twelve. Because I don't think any of us would be shocked if game one of the playoffs it's right back to normal. I mean, including Ellis healthy, so yeah. he'll take some type of magical health serum and he'll be fine. Uh, let's see, Cambi fifteen oh six writes in. Can you talk to duck? Can you talk Ducks health and uh, when they expect to get players back? We'll be talking about that in the second segment a bit about uh, all the injuries they have there. 
Uh, Paul Peckley writes in, any comments on the number of goalie starts from the chart from last night? Um, the chart that he's referencing to is that how many starts that the, uh, talking about Pecorino once again being one of the top five goalies when it comes to games started. Jonathan Quick's also on that list, as is Braden Holtby. Um, I didn't remember who all else was on that list. It's kind of your usual suspects with him. But once again, you don't see guys like, um, you won't see Henrik Lundqvist on there this year because he got injured for his annual injury. But when it comes to just the durability of Pecorine, and he's kind of had a rough week. It's not all on completely on Pecorine, but when you have fans that are pleading to see the backup goaltender, it doesn't matter if they win or lose at this point. That's part of the reason why I was happy to see him go out of the Pittsburgh game, just any kind of rest for the guy, because he's a guy that will work himself into exhaustion like a bloodhound who just refuses to get called off the trail. It's, um, it's a bit frustrating because you know you have a guy who's willing to work himself to death, and sometimes you got to jerk the chain on him. I, I, I think that was my point about the, the the Penguins game. Not not so much why was he pulled in the third. Why did he play at all? I mean, sh- that that seemed to be a Carter Hutton type of game. Pittsburgh's a great team. You go into that game and Carter Hutton plays. Maybe he maybe he plays better than Rene. Maybe he doesn't. But I think we'd all feel better if just Rene got the rest in that game, and the result probably wouldn't have been much different. And Rene is sitting at sixty four games right now. I mean, does anyone think that's a good idea? No, apparently NHL coaches do. Yeah, I mean, chances, I mean, you're right. I mean, especially with, you know, as good as Pittsburgh's playing, you're probably taking the L, okay? It's fine. You're going to, <laughs> you're not going to win every game, especially against a Pittsburgh team that's white hot right now. That'd be taking the L, the Carter Hutton story. <laughs> wow. Uh, this so is so mean to Carter. I'm sorry, Carter. This is a fun one. Uh, Barrett or uh, Brett Garrett Meeks writes in, what Pred do you think would do well in Top Gear's reasonably priced car? As in, essentially, what um, everyone drives the same car, who would have the best lap time? Let's see if they're driving my car, or, or, or your car. You know, like a, not like not anything that's like got a dynamite engine in it, but you know, it's got a good engine in it. I know my answer. Victor Arvidsson. Victor Arvidsson. The Berserker. Yes. What makes you, what, what leads you to say that Victor Arvidsson would have the best lap time? Because he would go through the walls. I mean, he would just drive through straight through any walls or anything in the way. I think Carter Hutton. Really, just seems like a like a smart, thoughtful driver. He'll. I, I just think he'd take the corners in a really clean way. Um, I, I just feel like he would know. Like when he's when he's trying to go at that high speed, he would know. Okay, well, you want to go tight and then let yourself drift. You know, he, I think he would know how to handle corners. Uh, and and that would give him an advantage over other guys. I don't think he would go full out pedal to metal type thing. He's he's he knows better. That's the mistake. Mm. I would go with uh, Mika Salamaki because to get a driving license in Finland is ridiculously <laughs> hard. There's a reason why like a third of the Formula One drivers at one point were all Finnish. Like you know, Finnish guys are ridiculously good drivers. And also he's Mika Salamaki. He's impervious to pain. <laughs> so just you know, seeing his bizarro attitude with it, I'd love it. Uh, Trupek writes in, uh, let's see, curious how Preds make personnel decisions. How we are mu- too. How much input ownership and others besides David Poyle have? I don't really think that much. Um, uh, no more no more so than, than any other. I mean, there's some owners that are much more involved, like Ed Snyder had, had a reputation for being a bit more engaged. Um, you, you do hear about some other owners who, who seem to have a lot to do with, with personnel, but... I think I think this is a matter of these are guys who trust Poyle and the coach 
um, the and, and Fenton to make the calls. I don't. I don't think there's a. It doesn't look like a team that has owners that go. We need this. We need that. It looks like a built like a team that's being built thoughtfully. I, re- I really have no idea. I, I I hadn't really thought about that. Um, it's, it sure seems to be the David Poyle show, um, but but I don't know. I mean, it, it, they they have with this team, the ownership has to have some say. I mean, it, it's been it's been kind of a rocky road for the last ten years, and it seems like they would need to have some sort of we we need you to um, have you know ex- explore some options that might bring us a little bit more revenue on this side of the on this side of the street or whatever i think there's a lot to um this team this team needs to have more engagement on just outside of the ice outside of that because because this town is only just now starting to get behind it and and i think that that's not just because david poyle you know found a diamond in the rough it's because the whole organization is behind it yeah i kind of think that this was entirely 100 percent david poyle's team the, the jerseys would just be like recycled pep boy uniforms because it'd be so easy to clean. That's all I've got, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I've got nothing else for you. My, I wonder about how, I mean, how much does Laviolette have uh, influence in this? I mean, that, that's, all, that's to me, that's the more curious question. It was, that's probably more of, hey, Dave, can I get, can, can we get this kind of player? No, we can't. What about this guy? No. Why no one wants to come to Nashville? Why they think we're terrible? But right. we keep winning. But it's like we don't care. They don't care. Mm. Everyone hates us. I want to talk a little bit about them after the break. I got a I got an awesome analogy. I'm going to run by you, and uh, you're either going to stand and applaud, or you're just going to throw down your headset and just say screw it. So well, if I did that, then it's it caused a spike in the recording, and that would just be bad. That would be bad. I'd get in trouble. Yeah. I get I get nasty Dan text messages, which I hate to get. Mm. Joe Welsh writes in, uh, what is the worst goal song in the league? He says Dallas was awful. Dallas has a uh, personalized Pantera song that they recorded during the uh, Stars oh, Cup that run. That is pretty bad. Yeah, and I like Pantera, but that's just, you know. That song is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there's some that I just hate to hear, but that Pantera one is, is just bad. I mean, it's, it is sonically offensive in any context. I have to say, I'm 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 actually kind of willfully ignorant of other teams' uh, goal songs. I only I only really know the Blackhawks with that awful awful song, um, and ours. They have the Blues. They have an organ. It's just organ. Just... Yeah, they play uh, when the Blues go marching in on the oh. organ. Oh, that's that's uh that sounds awful. You know, I've actually what's wrong about worked. the marching in tune? I don't know. It, it works well. They play it well. They they just nothing wrong. Play the organ. That's, I mean, like it's nice. just kind of traditional. So do the Sharks. They play the organ too. <laughs> Oh well, they used to. They actually retired the old Casio keyboard version of uh, Gary Glitter. Finally, can you throw throw out? Do you know some other ones? I, I I'm there's actually a really good uh, website called uh, You Just or like We Just Scored, and it, okay. they have it set up with everybody. My favorite's probably the um, the Calgary Flames, which use uh, some Monster Truck, and I love the band Monster Truck. <laughs> I don't know that band. They're a uh, kind of like a throwback, like 70s, 80s style metal. That's uh, ah, they're, they're okay. from like Western Canada. Sure. And they have their songs Righteous Smoke because, you know, Calgary Flames. Sure. Yeah, I like it. The Kings have a personalized song that uh, some, like, local metal group recorded for them. The Ducks do uh, Pennywise uh, Brohem. Is that it? Yeah. What is the je- What do the Jets use? The Jets... They don't uh, score goals. They don't have any songs. <laughs> they used to use um, uh, Hell Yeah by uh, Theory of a Dead Man, I believe. I don't remember who, who was the artist on that, but it, it worked really good. Like... Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Uh, I don't know what the Oilers are using this, this year. Um, Again, no one knows. 
the Sabres are using, uh, oh man, I uh, clear my throat. Um, the Lightning use like some bizarre like you're, you're like Euro techno music that sounds like a bunch of people like smoking a cigarette out in Slovakia outside of a club. That sounds um, that sounds fun. Yeah, the Lightning Cap- Air, it's a fun arena. To visit. Oh yes, very fun arena we, to visit. We love some Florida hockey around here. Not the state, just the just the hockey. Uh, that's I mean, me. Yeah, I think Dan would you. disagree. Let's see. Uh, it's too humid. The guy with the, this guy's a great Twitter handle. Uh, damn it, Preds. <laughs> uh, let's see here. He's asking. You got two questions here. We'll throw on this. Um, let's see. Why does everyone throw shade at Wilson when Fisher has dis- destroyed many line mates production all season? I don't think it's necessarily Fisher destroying it, even though Mike Fisher ain't exactly an assist machine. The problem with Mike Fisher is that when you have guys like Ribeiro and uh, Johansson, the lineup that you want to deploy in the offensive zone almost exclusively, someone has to die for those sins, and that's Mike Fisher, and he's more than happy to volunteer for it, Mr. 700 Club himself. I am more than okay with Mike Fisher uh, absorbing the defensive zone draws uh, when they come around, and if that means that him and Colin Wilson's numbers uh, suffer for it, that's a uh, price I'm willing to pay because Colin Wilson ain't exactly an offensive dynamo compared to the likes of a... James Neal or Philip Forsberg on the left wing. That's just three out. I'm also not on the Colin Wilson sucks bandwagon. Um, I, I think I, I'm on the, you know, he was born 20 to 30 years too early for the NHL bandwagon. Because um, I, I think the style he plays is going to be good in the future. Right now it kind of sucks because it doesn't add things in the right way. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's I mean, I've, I don't disagree with anything you said, Dan. Um, I just don't think comparing those two guys is. Well, I, th- I think I think if, if Fisher's production was as bad as Wilson's, I think people would. Um, it, it's still not great, but uh, for for them being, uh, I don't know. And, and we've we've talked about Colin Wilson, Colin Wilson being um, he he's, he was definitely kind of overvalued in a lot of ways. Um, he's he's not a top a top six forward. He's uh, he's not he shouldn't be treated that way. Um, at the same time, he needs to figure out one. He just needs to figure out something that he does well and just do that. Yeah, he needs to figure out his role again. Um, I think the last year was, you know, was, I want to say it was an aberration, but I don't know if that's a term you want to use. But his shooting percentage just varies drastically from one year to the next. And some of that, I think, does go with who he's playing with and who he's deployed with. Because I don't think he's a guy that can go out there and create offense himself. Philip Forsberg, go out there and create offense, mm-hmm. you know, by himself. Uh, Johansson, Neil, those guys, they can do it by themselves. Kelly Yarncroke can't do it himself. Right. Kelly Yarncroke is good at being at the right place at the right time and waiting for the puck to come to him. Whereas, you know, someone like a Colin Wilson, he's depending on someone else to being able to skate with him. And uh, especially on this current role, he's not going to have that. Um, there's nothing wrong with the role he's playing, but if you're expecting him to get back to 20 goals anytime soon, uh, don't hold your breath. I think also you you also cannot ignore Mike Fisher's two way two way forward presence. I mean he's he's, no. he's def, th- that gives it that gives him at least an edge on on Wilson and something people just like people like you know the workhorse the guy that is going to uh, to lay down in front of a puck and to be on the penalty kill even if he's not as good as he once was at it. No, I'm not a big fan of people laying down in front of the laying down in front of shots. I mean because that when you're that's your go to move that you become Eric Nystrom very quickly in my mind. Uh, he also has a follow-up question. Uh, let's see. Revamp Nashville bottom six forward to the playoff. Do you end up with, he has Wilson, Sissons, Arvidsson. Man, uh, Salamaki or Fiala next to Fisher and Watson. 
Man, that's great. What? What's happening? I, I don't know. I, I, it devolved very oh, quickly. Fiala. What? <laughs> Arv- I'll re- I'll Arvidsson on the fourth line. I'll rephrase it. No, actually, he had a yeah. No, he had a Selimaki on the fourth line and Arvidsson on the uh, on the third oh. line next to uh, Sissons. Sissons on the third line. Yeah, with Fisher. With no, with Wilson, and then Fisher with Watson and Salamaki. I'll see Fiala on the fourth line. Period. Um, you yeah, know what, or man? would you put Fiala down? I don't know. It's that, uh, that's Fiala, no, because he's a. Here's the the problem with with how Barry Trotz did things compared to where Fiala, where Peter Laviolette does things. When you have a top six injury. You pull up a top six player. When you have a bottom six or a fourth line injury, you pull up that type of player. You don't call up Kevin Fiala if Austin Watson gets hurt mm-hmm. or Eric Nystrom gets hurt. I mean, that's the way I at least see it. I agree. I mean, you're not setting the the prospect up for success, and you're, if anything, you're just going to be counterproductive in a couple different areas because while well, Kevin Fiala can back check, um, that's not his. Strong suit, by any means. As long as Paul Gast, Paul Gostad, and or Eric Nystrom are not part of the fourth line, I, I don't, I don't care what happens. To yeah, it. it's sunshine and rainbows. Other than that, yeah. right. <laughs> All right. Uh, coming on the other side of the break, we're going to talk. Uh, we're actually got a lot of good stuff in the comments section. Uh, talk a little bit more about stuff that's going on in the NHL and uh, Kings versus Ducks. Who would you prefer? And we're going to spend approximately four minutes on uh, Jimmy. Oh, you're already compromising. Approximately four. Uh, it's gonna. We be should. Yeah, we'll, we'll before this podcast brought to you by Lions Own Internet Marketing Solutions on theforecheck.com. These days, you need a partner current in latest website design standards, one that also provides quality support services like hosting, email, e-commerce, CMS, and more. And you need a partner experienced in online branding and marketing, like social media, search engine marketing, rich media, and email marketing. You need a partner that knows how to market your company in today's age of advertising. You need LionZone. Their professional staff and partners have the know-how, creativity, and experience to help you reach your marketing goals. Contact them today for a free consultation at 615-353-0402. That number again is 615-353-0402. Or you can reach them on their website at www.lionzone.com. Lion's Zone, Nashville's leading internet marketing agency since 1999. And welcome back in. I got to give a uh, credit where credit's due on this. We put it out there for um, for, twi- for uh, questions from our comments section. And... Once in a while, someone comes along and they just drop a bomb on us with like some really good stuff, and uh, so like a like a pinata, not th- a bomb. This um, yeah, exactly. It's full of candy, exactly. Oh man, yeah, this is a good question, pinata here, because I, I I start busting it open and I'm loving what I'm reading here. Um, Captain Mayhem, OTF user, has dropped uh, has dropped a pinata on us and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we're gonna go with um, three out of four of these because uh, I'm re- we're, I don't think we're really we're really tired of talking about the expansion draft. So, um, oh, I'm happy to answer the expansion draft question. There's nothing to talk about yet because we don't know what the rules are. Exactly. There we there go. There you go. So uh, these are all from the same guy, and these are all very well thought out. So let's run with that. Number one, he says, "Fun question, indirectly related to the team." And these are always our favorite. 20 years from now, Bridgestone Arena will be 40 years old. 
Predators have made about every update to the arena they could, but the time has come that the city and team need a new arena. Where do you build it, given what we know about the downtown scene? Mm. What do you want, or hold on, what would you want differently from Bridgestone in the new arena? And what would you try to mimic in the new arena? Well, everyone knows the new arena will be in Hendersonville. Right. Um, that's given. Yep. We all know that. Uh, no, where, yeah, no, it's a really good question about where you put something like that. I mean, where do you... I mean, that's kind of like the same problem like a team like the New York Rangers faces. Anyone with a downtown arena faces that same problem. Uh, I mean, 20 years from now, who knows? They may demolish a block of old buildings. They were putting an arena there. Uh, where that would be, I don't I don't know. Uh, that's really difficult. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, pu- I'm pulling up Google Maps right now just so we can. But by the time this. 20 years, 20 in 20 years, the, the you know it, the sponsor will of course not be Bridgestone anymore. Um, in all likelihood, they'll probably have found a more lucrative deal, or um, maybe it'll be have been taken over by like some carrot people or something. But um, I don't know. That's well, a really. That, I mean, there's so many ways you can go with, with that question. What was the second part about what what aspect of Bridgestone Arena would you? What would you? What would you mimic? And what would you? Uh, what would you do differently? What would you mimic? And what would you do differently? Uh, I, I I really like the. Uh, <laughs> uh, can I? I'll I'll buy you a little bit of time on this real quick. Okay. Um, Bridgestone Arena was built back in the time when the night in the mid '90s. You had buildings like the United Center, the uh, the St. Pete Times Forum, now the um, Emily Arena in Tampa. The United Center, the Arrowhead Pond, there were a couple other arenas that were all built around the same time. They were all very square, as in the profile of the building generally matched the hockey rink or matched that size. Then comes Bridgestone Arena. Bridgestone Arena was built asymmetrical and built to have like a wide concourse and a couple main entrances that stick out a bit. And that's something that was completely different at the time. Had an adjacent parking garage to it has a, the, the little Space Needle thing that's uh, at the time was a Sirius XM radio station, which still is. That's actually where um, I was working with Bill King was actually in that little, um, in that uh, Space Needle area. Been in there, yeah. It's, um, the top part, not the... It was actually done by the firm that did a lot of the same other arenas. Um, they did the Gund Arena, which is now the uh, Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland. It was built kind of along that same profile. Uh, HOK Sport or Populous, they've changed their name back and forth a couple of times. I've, I'm a big nerd on this particular subject links smiling at me um but at the time it was so radically different that you had an arena that was asymmetrical that the seating bowl had more people on the end than it did on the side that it was uh it hasn't been really duplicated anywhere now columbus's whenever they designed that arena is more of a sport version of bridgestone arena you'll notice it has like the tower suites you know at the at the attack twice end it's uh, a little bit nicer in a few different areas but the acoustics aren't the same so hmm. that's uh, kind of an architectural profile. I, I, I think, because um, you touched on it a little bit, one thing that's really great about Bridgestone, uh, it is the size of the concourses, the fact that there are two very clear major entrances that people can come in through. In some arenas, you, you have to, like, I remember going into, I'm sure they have multiple entrances, but I remember going into the uh, the Amelie yeah. in Tampa, and, like, everyone's having to go through, like, this tiny choke point. And everyone's lined up outside the main entrance, and it's it was terrible. Yeah, that was the only part I didn't uh, like about that arena. Yeah, but I I love the wide open concourses. Uh, there's so much space; you don't feel crowded, even when there's people walking everywhere. Uh, and then, I mean, I, this is gonna be broken record for me. I if they're gonna build, if they were to build an arena from the ground up, and thinking about the predators and thinking about the the team, go ahead and build in the personality. 
I mean, right now the personality for the, for the arena is mostly from brands that have deals. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the Jack Daniels whatever, and like half the stuff in there that's cool, that's made of like wood and very novel, is all alcohol, moonshine crap. That's not the team. That's like, hey, we're Nashville. Come and give us money and ruin the roads with traffic, you people with New York <laughs> license plates. Yeah, we know you're from New York because you won't take your front plate off your car. We know it's the law there. Here, no one cares. I enjoy the open plaza area. I think that is a big part. And they even expanded it now. I mean, after games, it feels like it's more of a... Uh, it, it's it's a, a very, All of Broadway is open, and you have all the... the the, the lower broad section is basically just extended Brimstone Arena for uh, for, for game nights. Um, the aspect that I would change... So I guess, I, I guess I'm not really answering the question, but I, I, I would change... I never the, do. The, I would change the Ford band stage situation. I, I, I would rather have a, a house band, a, a Dennis K. Morgan, but band style. Isn't that small-time than, rock stars? Do what? Isn't that small time rock stars? Right, but 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 a better one, uh, and and one that one that is 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 good, one that is consistent and and not invite other bands to be honest because it it is so cringe worthy <laughs> having to sit there and listen to some of the bands that go up on that stage and it's like at half the time you know it's just someone who knows someone and and that's that's what it is. I, I, I don't I don't care about about your band if if you want to have the Ford band stage fine you want to have that because it's part of the Nashville lower broad scene that's fine but have just a house band that always plays and that's all they do. But I, well, as far as location goes, there's not a whole lot of places that can that uh that are a suitable location. Um, the place I initially thought of it it's too big of a uh, like you wouldn't be able to fit it in there. Link, you uh, you brought up multiple times the arena that's in Allentown, PA, where it pre- preserves the uh, storefronts. Yeah, around the other around the other buildings, and that's really cool. I yeah, just, I, it's it's a very cool. Spike, that would be spike, a very cool space, an awesome feature. But I I don't think they'd be able to, to replicate no, it here. No, I mean that was a, that so was a hugely complicated thing um, where they actually removed the facades of buildings and then put them back up at the end of the project. Um, I mean, I just come. I, I come up with their bad ideas. Uh, you know, and, and also, I don't know what the square footage... That's the thing. Like, I can think of locations, but I honestly am like, oh, you know what? There's mm-hmm. probably not the the area, the space to actually build it there, even if even if it has... It seems like it might. Like, parking would be a huge issue or something like that. Uh, I mean, that's... Building a city in... in a, or building a city. Building an arena in a city is, is a huge, huge proposition. I mean, that's not... That takes years and years of playing just to find a suitable location. There's uh, the two locations that would stick out to me immediately are just right around the convention center, either directly north of it on DeMombrin and Eighth, going that way, and kind of giving back Broadway Fifth and giving back uh, downtown Fifth and Broadway. Mm-hmm. Just to I mean, imagine what would go there. You, parking you, lots. Well, oh no 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 no! New hotel, new hotel, parking lots, maybe some storefronts. Be kind of cool. Also, uh, just south of there on Korean Veterans, between uh, like around Sixth Avenue, there's like a triangle section that you could really go do a lot of stuff with. Uh, that's right next to the Traffic Circle. Uh, you know, Pie Town. Yeah, right around the Pie Town area. Oh. No, well, actually, no, just north of Pie Town. So um, not where like Third Man and Cittery Winery is and stuff like that. Yeah, kind of. That's uh, Pie right, Town. Right around Pe- right around uh, Peabody Street, that area. I'd have to pull up in a map. I think it's just north. If you're for, if you're defining Pie Town as uh, like literally between, go go on Google Maps and it'll say, you zoom yeah. in and say Pie Town. Yeah, you're actually just north of Pie Town. It's on the other side of Lafayette. You're thinking about the other south of Lafayette. So this would be north of Lafayette. Huh. So, 
This is all uh, assuming that the, Hill. that the new arena doesn't go in Hendersonville. Yeah, which it is. Which it is going which to. Which it is. There's only one county around here that shills out that money, like like Davidson County. You know, and it's not Sumner County. Sorry, no offenses. No, no offenses. Uh, Hendersonville. I know that the people in Hendersonville get mad when they don't get something, so I'm, I hope they don't. Hey, the, the the last Buffalo Wild Wings Predators party was in Hendersonville. Oh, it looked so turned. <laughs> in for Seriously. bed? As far as um, things I want to mimic, yeah. I, I really like the acoustics of the building. I like the concourses, a lot, but a lot of new arenas all have that. The one thing that absolutely has to go over to the new arena is the rehearsal hall. Something that most people will never go into but the rehearsal hall is so damn cool. Whenever they had media day for the All-Star game, it was all done at the rehearsal hall. Hmm. And Which uh, one's the rehearsal hall? It's the one that looks like a big tumor on the sound, on like the, the side of the building that um, if you're coming in from like fifth from the Sobro area, it's the what's it's what's next to the Sobro entrance. Like the large like almost arena-shaped amoeba that's attached to the arena. I'm not familiar coming with this. Coming from what? Coming from where? I probably the thing is I've probably been in it. I just don't know what he's describing. It's, what Dan's describing. The rehearsal hall is um, like not a whole lot of arenas have this. This thing right here. Oh, that's the rehearsal hall. Ah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I've never heard anyone call that call it that well, ever. That's, that's what it, that's what that's originally amazing. was built for. I learned for. something. It's actually built to replicate the acoustics of an arena. So like uh, touring acts, Cirque du Soleil will all come here before they start their tour or before they ever come here to practice. And that's where the um, hey, bury a mime in the center day. of the yeah. floor. Yeah. That's good luck, bearing a mime in the center of the rehearsal hall in Nashville. But, um, one thing that a, a Columbus Arena has that I'm very jealous of is they actually have their, uh, and same with uh, FedEx Forum in Memphis, is the team practice facility is there. That would be important. Um, because that's that's what a, uh, we're going to get to a little, bit, a little bit later on, but I have a rant regarding the Jimmy Vesey situation that ties into that. But, um, that I think that having a more centralized team headquarters where you know that hey you can hey player you can um, I know you're from uh, uh, Farstad Sweden um, you can actually just live downtown and drive a bike everywhere if you wanted to that's actually you know that goes a long way with people we yeah, we'll really will really attract the uh, the Denmarkian the Danish Denmarkian the Danish uh, contingent to Nashville no, I don't think you like Mike, Michael Bodker though he doesn't really hold on to the puck too well. Because uh, we don't have enough bicycles here. Probably not. If he had some, he had some stronger skating legs. Maybe he'd hold on to the puck a little bit better. <laughs> he's one of the he's one of the four Danish people who don't own a bicycle. Probably so. Number two, sticking with the arena theme, he says he hasn't traveled to other arenas. My dad and I are talking about starting a tour of NHL arenas over the next several years, and by all means, that sounds like a blast. What arenas would you recommend we hit up first, and what should we hold off for as long as possible? Um. It's going to haunt me to my grave that I did not make it up to Edmonton to see that rickety old building with the rickety old oil derrick that, that lowers down from the ceiling and then makes a 90-degree turn and goes down to the ice and has little strobes that come off of it. I wanted to go to Rexall before it closed, and I'm not going to make it. Um, I don't like crappy arenas. Like, I really, like, I want to go to an arena that is modern and clean. Columbus. That's all I really care about. Columbus and Dallas, I think, are the two like um, the, the really nice arenas out there. And I also want to feel like I'm at a team's arena. So if I, I want, I, if I go into an arena, I, like going to the Lightning, it's Lightning's, it's Lightning's home. Going into uh, uh, the Wells Flyers Fargo. arena, well, is it, I always want to call it Wells Wachovia Fargo. Center. I still want to call it Wachovia Center. Um, it's the Flyers' home. That so I mean, the, modern, clean. It's their home. 
that's all I need. I don't, I mean, the idea of like, oh yeah, I want to go to the Julius wife because it's a tradition. I'm like, it's a piece of crap and you're going to die. You're going to get asbestos, cancer, poisoning. Mesothelioma. You're going to have to call yeah. that, attorney, that, that number for the attorney and yeah. I'm kind of the opposite. I, I want to see I want to see crappy arenas. I, I, I really do. I've I've, I've not I've not been to too many, but I, I want I really want to. I've taken a tour of, of most of the of the SEC stadiums, and uh, the most interesting experience was LSU because it was just a crap hole, but it was a lot of fun. It was it was just a, such a dark. I mean, there were just areas of the of the hallway. You're you're talking about a where thousands of people are pouring in. You can't see anything. There's no lighting. There's no. <laughs> There's there's just puddles everywhere, but there it's are just fun. sections of that stadium that are abandoned. I would have not no, surprised. this is a true story. Huey Long, uh, if you're familiar with uh, with House of Cards, Huey Long got mentioned. Uh, true story. Huey Long uh, advocated a uh, reallocated university funds because the university said we need more money for housing. Governor said, "Well, I want a bigger football stadium." They compromised and built dorms inside the football stadium. <laughs> They're all abandoned right now. <laughs> so. <laughs> So the, 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 those older older arenas and just just in general older buildings to me have have a life to them that uh, that I think is uh, by life I mean viruses and diseases and all that kind of stuff actual life yeah actual actual bacterial life that that I think I think is interesting that's yeah. character that mesothelioma that's character son right exactly I, I want to um, cancer is too much life there's too kind of life. a happy medium with this and that's uh, St Louis It's actually one of the closest buildings to us uh, yeah but St Louis exactly. Uh, it is going to get ready to go through a renovation here soon before too long, but St. Louis, their their game presentation is very traditional. Like, we made we made a kind of a, a comment about it earlier about they have organ music after they score a goal, mm-hmm. and that's cool because they're not trying to tell the fans to be loud every 30 seconds in the yeah. first period. Right. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Dallas you mean they don't have rally goats uh, popping up? I have a rally goat t-shirt upstairs, so you do not besmirch any rally goat. <laughs> The Dallas Stars building is absolutely gorgeous. The, from what I've from what I've been told, the Kings Arena doesn't feel like the Kings Arena because three other professional or three professional teams share that right, arena. Right. They'll throw up banners that say "We are all Kings" and such, but it's not quote, the Kings Arena. It's not how. That's not how. Monarch the monarchy works. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, the monarchy. We're not. We can't all be kings. That's, and that Nashville will never have that problem. I mean, oh. Highlander addressed that clearly. There can only be one man. Um, as far I'm mainly referencing the Queen song, <laughs> Prince, Prince of the Universe. Universe. Yeah. Um, let's see. Number four on his uh, list here. We're gonna skip over number three. I was watching the Toronto Detroit game on March 13th. I heard back and forth. Let's go Red Wings. Let's go Leafs. Chance. It sounded straight out of WWE. Encouraging to hear even in Detroit when they can have enough visiting fans. Granted, blah blah blah. blah. Um, what other matchups have you experienced where the visiting team's fan base have strongly made their presence known? I mean, come on, we're going to talk about Chicago here and mm-hmm. the Blues. But other than um, and Penguins, actually. The Penguins bring down a lot of people whenever they play here. Um, other than Nashville, where do you see this and where do you where do you kind of like to pay attention to this kind of stuff? Because Boston travels well, the Flyers, the Penguins travel well, the Caps like to travel well. Um, excluding Nashville from this equation, um, what other matchups have you have you seen or experienced uh, th- that type of dynamic? I mean, re- I mean, nothing you haven't really named, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's fairly. Only, I mean, there's certain certain organizations that tra- or certain organizations, certain fan bases that do travel really well, and there's some of the they're the old ones or the ones with the with the really hardcore fan bases. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the the long and short of it in a lot of ways. It's hard to not think of of just the, the teams we see a lot of the Wild. The stars, um, 
even the, even the Jets now because of the old Thrashers fan base. But I I I would like to experience sort of the the back and forth between between Canadian teams of any sort. I, mean, I would love to go to a Senators Leafs game and see that. I would love to go to. I won't get there for the hockey. That's right. Right. Well, that's exactly right. You, 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 you don't go watch the ice. You watch the stands. And, and hopefully it's a, a game early on in the season that actually has some sort of semblance of meaning. Uh, but, or, or go to any, any, Canadian, uh, any Canadians game against any other Canadian team, I think would be pretty entertaining. Uh, in the New York area, too. You know, Rangers, Islanders. You know, we, I mean, some of those are, you know, stuff we would expect. But how about, did any of you guys see the Panthers-Lightning game from this past week? No where the Panthers actually had a lot of people show up in Tampa. Like, they had a couple busloads show up. Very, very cool. Very, very cool dynamic. And good to see that the Panthers fans are actually starting to come out of their shell a little bit. So, uh, that's exciting for me. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm I'm curious as to the fan base behind the Panthers. I, well, what, what kind of a fan base is it? It's an older fan base where a lot of people have moved there, and, you know, there's a Miami area team, because they're based out of Fort Lauderdale, so you have a, you have a, a good contention of seniors that are there you have some younger people but alligators yeah alligators Mostly. we can't forget that those people um key deer i guess it's not far that far south no not that far away <laughs> um zika virus it's a it's I'm topical a, I'm very it's topical. a it's two t- types of people it's a lot of people that are older and just kind of want something to be something to entertain them but also it's a lot of you have you have a lot of <laughs> just trying to stay busy you until they lot, die you, you know like, like you do you'd have like some younger business folks that um and thankfully that since the miami heat aren't exactly good the dolphins haven't been good in a while the marlins are the marlins they actually right now with the exception i mean the heat are always going to have their core group there in miami um the panthers actually have a pretty good hold on the news right now down there as far as sports go and until they have a baseball team that's really worth mentioning, they could actually do some damage as far as like getting back that market share that they lost in the mid two thousands. Uh, and they're gonna have uh, competition in the uh, next couple of years. Uh, not seasonal, not too much seasonal competition, but you'll have uh, David Beckham's MLS team entering the market. Yeah, is any, any idea where they're gonna be playing? They're gonna be in Miami, okay. like in the city. Yeah, being a Fort Lauderdale team, I think actually is finally starting to pay off for. Um, it's starting to pay off for the for the Panthers. It's a weird sentence. Yeah, it is. But besides yourself, is is there is there significant crossover between the college football fan base in Florida and the hockey fan base? Uh, in the southern tip of the in the southern areas of the state, like in your in around Orlando, Tampa, the Lightning try pretty hard to get into Orlando. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the Orlando news does you know give a little bit of love to the Tampa teams and vice versa. Um, but they play a preseason game at Amway Arena. Which we're going to talk about arena design. Amway is awesome. Um, no one's ever said that before. <laughs> well done. Um, <laughs> that was really well done. Also, a burn on Amway from left field. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't we did talk about the Red Wings arena presented by Amway. So, um, oh, it's it's a really cool. Um, as far as the college football fan base, you're going to see more in Tampa than anywhere else mm-hmm. because Tampa people support Tampa teams, all kinds, either Rays or the heat or, or pardon the rays or the uh the lightning like you even see downtown like when the lightning are playing you'll see like uh like skyscrapers they'll have like a bolt shape on them or oh. you know a lot of buildings might have go bolts on them a lot of them are still probably left up from last year's playoffs but right um it's a little bit of crossover not a whole lot uh, in the northern part of the state like tallahassee not a whole lot even though tampa is more of an fsu town than it is a, a uf town anymore which is kind of odd I I have some relatives that live in in that area and they are FSU. Yeah, uh, my apologies. 
All right. So uh, good stuff from the comment section today. Um, as promised, let me get out my timer here. We are going to spend less than five minutes on Jimmy VZ. We are targeting for four minutes of Jimmy VZ discussion. Um, Link has his timer. I have my timer. Ready, set, go. All right, so VZ on Monday decided that uh, he or he was released that he's going to free agency. Uh, we heard guys like Chris Knuckles Nylon saying that... It's uh, not a real name. That's his real name. Uh, it's not a real name. Chris Nylon. Uh, saying that you know this was communicated to Poyle. David Poyle came out and said that he refutes it. Um, where do y'all start with this? Um, well, I, I tend to think that uh, Poyle maybe is, is way, way too trusting what players tell him. Uh, this is not the first time a player has been like, sure, David. And then Dave's like, everything's fine. Everything's great. They're going to sign here just a matter of time. And then after everything goes to hell, you know, Poyle comes out. He's very hurt and offended and outraged and all these things. And then the other, the other side comes and is like, yeah, we didn't say any of those things. This is what we said. We don't know what he's talking about. Uh, I mean, I'm really, I'm referencing really only the, the suitor situation. Um, but, I mean, I think I think the VZ is just sort of the, the latest thing um, between Weber, Suter, VZ. It's becoming this pattern of having a lot of difficulty hanging on to really spotlight players. And even if I'm saying spotlight because VZ may not have made any good in the NHL, but he's a spotlight on him, a lot of media attention. He's a spotlight player. I think that's, I, I think that's what worries me. He's not so much VZ, but the situation with Poyle and him handling future players who are spotlight players. I, I agree. I, I dis, I dislike the, the situation, but um, I, I'm I'm already over VZ. I, I'm I'm completely over the, the his decision that he made. I'm I'm still more disappointed in in kind of the way it was handled from the from the Predators end. I I, I really think the Poyle really did did a disservice in in talking about how well VZ's just he's made a bad decision here. He's he's being mis- misled by some people. Uh, I, I, to me, it, it just came off as desperate ex-girlfriend stuff. I, I really think it was just, you, you, why, why go that route? Why, why even, why even take that strategy? Well, Jimmy VZ ended up choosing to go to Boston. And, um, the analogy that I have is that if you imagine the NHL teams as a street next to a courthouse, imagine what the storefront of every different, uh, attorney firms, if NHL teams were attorney firms, Imagine what every law office would look like. You'd have the Dallas office, you'd have the Predators office, the Boston office, all these different offices. If you're a um, if you're a person seeking an attorney, what office would you go to? And the chances are, probably that office would be uh, a someone that you probably knew going into it or you had a reputation with, but b probably an office that looked like an attorney's office and not a carnival. So I think some of the stigma of Nashville that the Predators have failed to wash away is the idea of it's the South. You're going to have to sell the game to everybody. They're wearing ridiculous colored jerseys just to get attention. There's a lot of things that may or may not be true, but it doesn't matter because perception is reality with people who don't know you. That's on the organization itself. There's 30 law firms and one's a carnival. Well, not just one's a carnival. There's a few other that are carnivals, too. But the printers are definitely on like the bus bench. Like, I would go to a law Saul firm type. that's a carnival. You would go to you would go to like the real life Saul Goodman. Right? That's not a carnival. That's that's an ambulance chaser. You said carnival. I'm taking that very literally. I expect popcorn and funnel cakes and elephants. 
I'm afraid that's not going to happen. Well, well then it's probably, I've been, it's probably free as part of your consultation. I've been deceived. I mean, like the dancing statue of Liberty out front or something, you know, that that's, that's probably something that it, I would see. I liked your little arm dance there. Dan. Yeah, that exactly. Was it was good. like the, like the dancing statue of Liberty that like dances in a square. If the Preds yeah. are a carnival, what are the Leafs? Uh, the Leafs are like an old dusty, like uh place alongside like the interstate. And uh, uh, yeah, I could see them as like the old, really decrepit. Okay. Jimmy VC talks over. <laughs> So uh, the Predators, in all likelihood, are going to be playing either the Ducks or the Kings in the first round, depending on who decides they really want the Pacific Division bad enough, because the person who does ends up getting the San Jose Sharks. So when we look at the um, the Kings, I believe have a one game or one point lead. The Ducks have a game in hand. Um, I was doing just a little just snapshot analysis between the two teams, and um, there's not a whole lot between the two of them as far as uh, like record, as far as style goes, because they both play big. They both love to hit you. Um, Kings have a prob- probably an edge in goaltending, uh, probably an edge as far as defensemen go as well. The Ducks are the team that's more likely just to trade chances with you. Uh, the Kings do a great job of limiting chances. The Ducks are completely content with going back and forth and just riding their shooting percentage. Um, but other than that, what are your initial impressions of Kings versus Ducks? Who would you rather play between the two of them? If you asked me a week ago, I would have said the Kings. Um, but with the injury updates and uh, the Ducks all of a sudden, Frederick Anderson concussion, uh, David Perron is out for some time, Ricardo Kell out for some time, uh, Lindholm, um, all, their entire defense, Bieksa, have all, have all been injured. And they are all of a sudden, it, as hot as they've been the second half of the season, they are facing some pretty serious injuries, um, and they are a defensive first team that uh, all of a sudden has some pretty pretty problematic injuries. Now, sort of the Predators with with possibly you know Ryan Ellis has had injuries, so possibly when the playoffs roll around, their defense is fine and ready to go. Uh, but I, honestly, I think I would rather take on the uh, the Ducks and uh, and forego the onslaught of Kings playoff march to doom where they eventually <laughs> win the cup. There's only two teams I'm ever going to want the Predators to play in the uh, Pacific. And it's only the answer I'm, o- I'm only ever going to give is either the Sharks or the Ducks. Those are the teams I always want to play. Don't care if they're the better teams. I just like watching the the matchups. I mean, Ducks-Predators, they are happy to stoke that rivalry up even though it fades. Those those matchups are always so much fun, so much going on. Uh It'd be really, really entertaining to watch the Predators play the Ducks. I think the Kings would be a, just a dreadful series for for probably the Predators, and I don't really want to watch that. I want to have if I'm even if if I were going to lose, I would want to lose and have fun. And I, the, the Ducks are going to offer the Predators and the fans mm-hmm. that as an option. There's at least more of a belief that you know what they can beat the Ducks. There's more of a belief for that. With the Kings, I'm just like you know what. They may like line up with them okay statistically. The Kings may have you know some better metrics, but then again, they're in a division with the Alberta teams and Vancouver and mm-hmm. and Arizona. So, of course, their numbers are going to look better. I, I can convince myself that you know what they may have a chance against the against the Kings. Now the Ducks, I think they got a chance against them because their their goaltending isn't as good. And like you said, injuries: Peary, Anderson, Lindholm, Bieksa, Perron, Raquel. Uh, even Josh Manson has been hurt recently. Most of them are day-to-day, though, so it's one of those very nebulous-type mm-hmm. things. Upper body, concussion, but, illness, upper body. Yeah, so when you see your upper body injury, 
immediately I'm thinking the worst. David, uh, the David Perron, though, he's going to be out for a while, four to six weeks with a shoulder. So he's going to be out of the question for the playoffs mm-hmm. if, if they get Nashville. Uh, Peary, upper body. Raider Gander, they just straight up said, has a concussion. Uh, don't know what Peary's injury is just yet. Hoppus Lindholm, that's a big loss. But it, yeah. he had a, his was an illness. So, so he's probably fine. He'll be okay. Um, yeah, I think we're all in accord on that one. That one, I don't need to. I don't feel like we really even need to spend a whole lot of time on it. If they can get the Ducks, find yeah, a way to get the Ducks. The only the only downside is we have to. It would be having to watch an entire series of those atrocious jerseys that they call uniforms. We don't have that much room to talk, bro. <laughs> I I like the gold, so whatever. No, uh, I was preparing for a uh, Corey Perry comment. No, he's fine. He fights robots, but that's that's you know that's his own issue. Uh, Which to me, to me, there's also a question when you think of Kings, Kings versus Ducks, Jeff Carter or Ryan Kessler. Which one do you want to have to face? Uh, Kessler, Kessler, because Carter can score. That's true. Kessler, ever since the playoff run that the Canucks went on, where they eliminated Nashville, right? He hasn't been the same player. But do you? Want, I don't want him. He's to an go, SOB. Yes. I don't want him to go after Philip Forsberg's face. Phil Forsberg will go after him with his butt. <laughs> yeah. His back shoulder is going to knock the beard off and the cheekbones. He's going to crush his precious little cheekbones. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, the Kings are just the Kings are not afraid to just to beat you up, and they've got the players to do it. Yeah. I mean, the difference, I think, there is that the Anaheim Ducks, they have their top line beats you up, whereas the Kings, they have like their, their third and fourth line will beat you up. And do, you, yeah. and do we have faith that, I mean, J- Jacob Silverberg's had a great year. Andrew Cogliano, I mean, are those guys that scare you? I mean, to me, they're not. But Silverberg had a really good playoffs last year. But I mean, when it came down to it, they couldn't. I mean, Kessler and Getzlav just disappeared against the against Chicago. Right. Um, Nashville's not anywhere near where Chicago was at the time. But uh, at the same time, like these guys are a year older. They certainly um, don't scare you in the same way the Kings players scare you. And the Kings are just you know Kopitar I think is one of the five best players in the NHL. I just don't want any part of Andre Kopitar. Jonathan Quick's really freaking good in the playoffs. He's yeah. all right. He's, He's very right. good. So on that front, uh, we've covered a lot of stuff. Uh, we've Kings Ducks. We spent exactly four minutes on Jimmy Vesey. I'm very proud that we were held on that. Um, is there anything else in each rise uh, before we get into top five tough questions? We are talking to talk about Stamkos in there. That's a big loss. Um, looking around the league, uh, what did you guys think about the Duncan Keith uh, suspension? Only six games. I think someone also said it's the second longest suspension of this season after the Rafi Torres, which was 20-something. Not long enough, but yeah. Um, I don't, I, no, it's... it's um, unfortunately, the NHL has put themselves in a, in a bad pre- precedent because Keith has done this before and not gotten called for it. What, uh, he missed miss one game for the Jeff Carter slash? Yeah, it's just... it's it's it, There's a serial problem with discipline in the NHL. Um, I, I think... Uh, the concussion lawsuit emails that have flooded the uh, the internet for the uh, the past week demonstrates um, how little they actually regard the players uh, as far as injuries and suspensions and managing them. Because the thing is about the thing about suspensions, and I think this the, people lose sight of this, fans especially lose sight of this, is that sp- suspensions aren't about taking a player off the ice; it's about protecting the players. By suspending guys, you are you are disciplining them. To show we are protecting people, we are protecting our assets, uh, but the NHL is very much not interested in that. I mean, they still they 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 talk about wanting to get rid of fighting, but I mean, 
how how can repeated blows to the head to your enforcers not cause severe issues over time? I mean, that's basic science. When I saw when I saw the the suspension for for Keith, I well, I'm sorry. When I originally saw the the, the slash, what what he the the incident, uh, my assumption was my immediate thought was, okay, he's not going to play in the regular season. He'll be he'll be back for game one. I I was I was actually impressed that they did give him the first game of the uh, of the playoffs. Um, do, at the same time, though, that's that's based on basically what what you were talking about is that uh, I, I was kind of assuming the worst that they would be very inconsistent and that they weren't going to give him much. Um, so it's like I I don't know I, I I'm I'm impressed that they uh, actually did give him a playoff game, but uh, it probably should have been more. If it had, if it'd been you know a month ago, it'd have been you know seven, eight, nine, ten games. Right. There was a uh, I'm trying to get the uh, the media guy who. He was covering the Florida Panthers, and he was saying that people in the Florida Panthers locker room were upset about the length of suspension for Duncan Keith, like it was too little. And there's an Eastern Conference team that has no bear that you know that does not have any ties to the Chicago Blackhawks in any way, mm. except for Dale Talon, and they were even upset about it. So, what, yeah, that that is odd that they were. I mean, the fact that, I don't think it's odd because 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 if if people have the latitude to do what they want and to know the limitations, know the system works. So you can, you can slash them. You can tr- you can intentionally take a piece of fiberglass, it, fiberglass, composite fiberglass, composite glass, yeah. swing it at someone's face with the intent to cause injury. If you did that to someone on the street, you would be in jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but, that is that is assault with a deadly weapon in all right. likelihood. So the fact that someone can do that on the ice and, and you're going to get five six games suspended, that's it. And it's not even in the process of a hockey play. It's not no, even, it was it well no, it was violent. It was in, with intent to cause harm. Right, right. I mean, it was assault with a weapon, and the and he got six games for it. That that is so unique to the NHL mm-hmm. uh, that I, as a player, I I would be angry too because that makes me feel less safe, knowing that people can take a liberty. There's some. There's what some teams have three, four, five, games, however many games left in the season. Well, someone else is like, oh, well, you know, I'll just miss out a playoff game or two. It won't be a huge deal. I can, like, you know, send a statement or, or some crap like that. Uh, I would be outraged because it's it's almost like a, it's you know, a sword hanging over your head all of a sudden when you're on the ice. But but like you were saying, I don't think the NHL views it as protecting players. They view it as just like, we're, we're the office of discipline. That is what we do. We're going to discipline this one incident. Well, no, they, I think they view it as we have to do this. Yeah. We have to. We don't. We we cannot not suspend a player for doing this because he was caught on camera and the penalty was called. We can't ignore it. Right. That's that's what I view from the NHL. I mean, right. maybe it's overly cynical, but the way that they approach their players in a lot of other situations, mm-hmm. I don't think it's unreasonable to be cynical. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, I'm just going to dive into five tough questions because this number one is somewhat related to it. Uh, number one, Alex, Chris. Have you ever known an organization to handle a player's arrest and suspension worse than how Chicago handled the Garrett Ross situation? It was—it's pretty bad. I mean, to 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 first of all take that long to make a decision, and then to go to almost immediately retract that decision based on very little is pretty alarming. I mean, that, that's a, that's about. Well, as- what's interesting though is the Blackhawks have precedent in doing this. Uh, <laughs> What, what's uh, what's bothersome to me about it, and I haven't really heard this elsewhere, is that the the other side of this, the victim can file charges in Michigan. What happens when she files charges in Michigan? Mm-hmm. Are they going to suspend him again? 
I I am already I I started this the season going in being very very frustrated with the NHL, and it has only gotten so much worse throughout this year. I mean, I know people who have given up on the league mid-season just because they cannot take this level of of incompetence or this level of of malice. Uh, and you know, Frank, I, I mean, I don't care what they do because they're not. I don't. I don't believe that they'll do the right thing. The organizations, I don't believe they're going to do the right thing because they don't care about. They they care about having the product on the ice. They care about winning the games, uh, in whatever context, developing their players as money making pieces. They don't care about victims. It's not something that they. It's it doesn't make them any money to care about victims. No. Um. I'm I, going, can, I, I, I can go darker if you'd like. I, I feel well, like the, your your question was uh, like, have you ever known of an organ? Have you ever right. seen any any organization be comparable to this? Right. I, I, I'm, the only thing that comes to mind, I want to say when the Steelers were dealing with the Roethlisberger situation, I I seem to remember, and I have to look it up, but and I don't want to speak off the cuff about, and be incorrect about this, but I seem to remember Roethlisberger was not. Um, really dealt with they just kind of were like this is this is our player dealing with something off 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 of the field we don't care it was very laissez-faire they did they just didn't want to be involved in it and then when it all got settled they were like see everything's fine he got suspended for let's see um six games by the nfl right by the nfl's uh conduct policy right the nfl the team didn't do anything right um it was actually goodell who handed this out um in 2010 so it was the middle of April. And he was also ordered to go through a comprehensive behavioral evaluation. So at yeah, least the NFL see. did something. The freaking NFL. Right. Which is like the big bad wolf of all the sports leagues. But the team did didn't something. do anything. The team didn't do anything. No. This comprehensive is, personnel. What was that? A, a comprehensive behavioral evaluation. I bet he had to watch a video for like a whole 30 minutes. <laughs> We're so used to corporate training, probably. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Uh, he was barred from attending any on-field uh, team activity until he completed the evaluation. On field, so you can still do promotion for the team. Awesome, probably so. You know how many women I see with Steelers jerseys? That's amazing, or with Roethlisberger jerseys? It's still amazing. Um, as far as uh, what's comparable to how they handle Garrett Ross, uh, like every college football team, like every major college football mm. team in the Southeast does something similar every year. Yeah, and I mean, I think the re- I think that. Um, those are state inst- some of those are state institutions. Yeah, I was immediately I thought of uh, Von Pearson at Tennessee, who the charges got dropped because quote due to lack of it, just because you know like it had to do something to do with evidence. I mean, look like they the you the, the uh, yeah Tennessee right now is in a mess right I now. I didn't even know. I was going to say the the uh, I mean Penn State. I mean they've already recovered from that. How? Even the NCAA right. walked back some of their some of their uh, their punishments too. I, think I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't like punishing players who didn't do anything wrong. I, 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 but you have to, you can't just let those sort of things happen, and you, you cannot walk back. You certainly can't go some, back on something, right. something no. like that. No, the, but I'm, I'm, I'm sad, but I'm also proud at the same time when it comes to hockey fans in general because I feel like that hockey is one of the only sports where like this is actually an issue. As opposed to just being accepted no, as a fact it, of life, it's it's an issue in a subset of people in the greater fan, NHL fan base. I don't think it's an issue. I don't think they care because it's not an issue with most other sports. I, I too. think, I think just, a lot of us yeah, on Twitter, uh, those of us who, uh, who you know, engage with with fans really directly of all across the spectrum, uh, you know, who don't isolate ourselves into kind of a like a shell of machismo. No, I think we get upset about it. 
I don't think the vast majority of fans even think about it. They're like, they don't, they, they, we, we saw it with the whole Patrick Kane incident. Chicago, the vast majority of yeah. fans didn't really seem to care. The NBC doesn't care. The ovation, oh, NBC certainly doesn't care. The ovation he got on that first game or whatever. Yeah. Hell, the president didn't seem to care. No. And people look at us like we're the bad guys for booing the crap out of him at a Star game. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. That was great. Oh, that was. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't not be we, I, I, I guess I could, I could go on for an entire show just on problems I have with with sports and, and how it breaks down uh, so I won't day, this is a reality TV show where we, where we have signs dedicated to it we buy the shirts we buy the jerseys we could show up to see live events of it but at the end of the day this should not it, define it, who you are as a person there there is there's been research sociology psychology psychological research in into sports fandom it goes much much deeper than that Dan well I'm just saying that's what we should treat which we should uh, treat it, it like That'd be great if people could separate it like that, um, but it's just it's not the reality that we no. deal with. Oh, and, of course and not. That's the problem is that uh, people do not treat sports as seriously or with with the uh, with with kind of the earnest perspective they should. Um, I'm not trying to call, call, say it's something like essentially you know some magical thing, but in a way it it, it is. Uh, you know, a lot of times you look at the research I reference, they will put sports fandom belonging to a sports fan base on the same level of political identification of religious, of belonging to a religion. They, they put it, people perceive it in the, in the neurons fire in the same way. So when we start talking about people being reasonable, I think we see a lot of unreasonable things in politics, in religion, a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. And, but we, we separate sports. We say it's just fun. It's entertainment. It's it's like in our brains, we don't treat it that way, and that's the problem. There's there's a dissonance there um, that is causing people, both the players and just citizens, it's causing harm. It has been over. Um, actually, I thought about this a few like about a couple months ago. It has been about seven or eight years since I've bought any red clothes <laughs> because I just deep down it, I like I tie it to. Arsenal, Liverpool, Chicago, the Georgia Bulldogs. I, I tie it to all these teams that I absolutely don't like. <laughs> we, we can't even get... I, I can't even separate that out of my mind. <laughs> we can't even get public institutions in the United States to not use Native American iconography. Right. In insulting and, and inappropriate ways. Because of tradition. Be, because of tradition. And, that I mean, I think people... They, they are on the right issues a lot of times, but... No one really goes deep enough on the cultural aspect because uh, that has to change. The cultural aspect has to, has to change, and no one I think goes deep enough to to really recognize how difficult that is. It's not it's not a small thing. Got it. Uh, number two, Thomas Vanek was only healthy scratched once this week. This is actually progress for him. Usually, he's been scratched like two or three times during the week. Uh, two winners ago. Chris, you and I and Chris Martell graded all the uh, NHL general managers, and we both had, or all of us had, uh, Chuck Fletcher and Yarmo Kekalina of the Blue Jackets very high on our list of general managers. However, as of April of 2016, are either Chuck Fletcher of the Wild or Yarmo Kekalina of the Blue Jackets in your personal top 10 of general managers in the NHL? Yeah, it's funny. They, they started, when we had that conversation, they, things were so bright for those clubs. They had really bright futures. And then, you know, this pattern of sort of uh, irresponsible spending or questionable decisions emerged uh, where, you know, they, they, it's like they were asked questions. Instead of trying to wait to, for the right answers to work out the right answers, they just tried to answer them with what was available. 
And so they just started picking up spare parts. Uh, and they've built when when you know maybe it's a timeline they had pressure and they end up having to build their teams out of spare parts and the thing about a spare part is it's got a higher higher failure rate and that seems to be what happened to them and you and what happens is you tend to uh over 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 um you, you tend to to think that the the successes that you found are uh the the Devin Dubniks are that much better and so you're like well look what we did here this one time we'll keep we'll keep proceeding in the same way we've totally, always done yeah. it and, yeah. and and to so to me, uh, the I don't understand what the wild are doing. I, I don't know if they know what they're doing. Throwing money at a problem until it gets fixed. That's essentially right. it. I mean, they're proceeding with a plan doomed to failure every single year in a spectacular fashion because they refuse to address the top of their lineup. They keep throwing money at wingers, and they depended on kids way too early. Um, by the flip side of that, we both uh, we somewhat agreed uh, that I was overruled on Don Maloney because I know that you guys, you you and Chris didn't like Don Maloney back then. Um, I don't think Chris liked his hair. I still story. really, I'm still not very high on I am, him. I am all I aboard. I think he's fine. I am all aboard what the Coyotes are doing I think right he's now. very competent, but I mean. Because next year they're going to roll out uh, Christian Dvorak, uh, Dylan Strom, uh, possibly, uh, oh, who's the guy? Perlini. Brandon Perlini is the guy who's kind of slipped in the past couple years as far as his evaluation goes, but Couple that next to Domi Duclair, and as long as they hold on to Oliver Ekman Larson, they're in great shape. And Austin Matthews. And if they get, and if they win the lottery, <laughs> we're just gonna win it again. Uh, Edmonton's got experience, guys. <sighs> um, <laughs> number three, Steven Stamkos was announced that he'll be out one to three months with a blood clot in his arm. It's not a fun thing. So, to how do you feel the Lightning not winning the Stanley Cup this year, Dan? Um, I, I've come to terms with it. Cool. Cool. Will this affect uh, Stammer's next contract? And has Steven Stamkos played his last regular season game for Tampa Bay? How old is he? He is 26, I believe. Let me double check that for you. I thought he was closer to 30. No. Oh, 26. U- well, yeah, that makes sense for UFA. You know, you want to try to aim your UFA year for 26, 27. He is 26. He was wow. born February 7th on 1990. Will it affect his contract? I don't think so. It affected Sidney Crosby's contract because he couldn't stay healthy. Well, but Cindy Crosby has the the added bonus of um, being obsessed with number eighty seven. So his contract was always going to be artificially low, just because they wanted to make it equal to eighty seven. So he's going to be eighty seven million dollars or eight point seven million dollars. So I mean, which one's going to make more sense? Uh, I, I I think the teams will line up for Stamkos regardless of any injury situation and uh, regardless of how things have shaked out at the end here with the Lightning and some some disappointing disappointedness. So I, I think is is the subtext of your question, Dan. Tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. That does the blood clot lower Stamkos's price enough for David Poyle to sign him? <laughs> Not quite. Is that what you're asking? I know it is because I know that that uh, that the Lightning did offer like it was a modest deal with him. Um, two things I, I take away with this is that number one that perhaps maybe Stamkos feels it's more incomplete that he didn't get one didn't get a chance to really run with Tampa because Tampa came on the second half of the year. They've got a loaded roster right now. Tampa's window to win with Steven Stamkos ends this year because if they sign Stamkos, they're going to have to clear out room in their salary. They just they have too many young players. They're all going to be asking for big RFA deals. You know, you're only going to get to, get to keep a few of them. Now, I don't doubt Steven Eisman be able to restock the cover pretty quickly. That being said, though, I don't even know if Stam- I don't even know if the Lightning really want to sink that much money into one player when you have the rest of their roster, which is that good. When you can turn around, if you really, I'm I've go back to this that uh if the avalanche are dumb which we all we all agree the avalanche are dumb right yeah okay, there you go um 
somehow getting Jonathan Drouin back under Patrick Waugh's tutelage and bringing back Matt Duchesne, great. Or maybe Nathan McKinnon. I don't know. They're, they're dumb. So probably Duchesne. Um, I think that's an easy fit. I don't think the, I don't think the Lightning would really miss a beat. Well, I guess I should ask if, if Stamkos gets eight a year, is that is that lower than you th- would yes. have expected? I expect around nine. Than eight. I expect around nine. If Eric Stahl can ask so someone, more than, so more than Crosby. If Eric Stahl can for ask for Crosby's numbers are, are officially low. If Eric Stahl with a straight face can ask the Carolina Hurricanes for nine million dollars a year, at thirty-one or thirty-two, right. well, however, I can ask for unreasonable things too. Yeah. Um, well, then, in Alex, case, could you make me a cake, please? That's unreasonable. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that's actually far more likely. He unless would get you, up and unless make a cake. Yes. you make me a cake. I yeah. will. I will. Oh, cool. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I didn't say what was going to be in it. But <laughs> I'm not picky. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, we're looking about nine. Or well, so. I, then, then in that case, yeah, because I, 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 I would say I could see him get, getting eight only. Um, so yeah, I guess I would say I would say it would it could affect because if I'm a GM, 27 years old, I'm gonna get I, I would I would look for about four or five years and about eight million a year. Yeah, that's I, what I, I would go. I mean, I, I you have to think like I think the the first question you have to ask yourself is. Where does uh, Stamkos' negotiation point start? Uh, is he going to be asking for more than Patrick Kane? Or is he going to be starting at less than Patrick, or, or at where Patrick Kane's level is? Because that's the new, I mean, those guys, have, Taves and Kane, their deal has set the new right. tier for that level of talent. So does Stamkos think he's valued over that? And he's going to start at a point where he wants to negotiate down there? I mean, there's a lot of places to go with this. And how does the home, I mean, doesn't look like Kane or Taves took a hometown discount. Certainly not. No. Uh, so yeah, I, I think he might even be pushing for Kane level money. So he thinks he's going for ten. I, I I don't. I think it's well within his ability and and uh, his talent level to ask for that because Chicago said that he's worth that much essentially. But the great thing about the state of Florida though is that nine million dollars there equals ten and eleven million dollars elsewhere because no state income tax. So when the Leafs offer twelve, the Lightning can now for ten and a half. <laughs> They right. can offer Kane money or, or Tabe's money. It's still not going to happen. You wouldn't have to live in, well, I mean, granted, for the, the view from where Stamkos lives in Florida seems pretty nice. Yeah, and also you could play golf every day of the year if you wanted to there. That's a big deal with people. That's that's why, that's you why can't do I that live in, in Nashville. <laughs> you can't do that in Toronto? Can't do that in Toronto. You no. can. You just have to have you just have to have, it, make enough money to have people clear the course for you as it's snowing. Or use bright orange balls. Or just, you know, get an indoor golf, you know, range built somewhere somewhere out, by, somewhere out by Brampton frisbee yeah. golf just start leveling <laughs> start yeah. just you know leveling trees and such number four Chicago and St. Louis are destined to meet up again in the postseason and Dallas will likely get Minnesota between these two matchups you have Chicago and St. Louis Dallas and Minnesota which matchup is going to be more entertaining for you personally and why Chicago St. Louis Definitely more inter- entertaining. I think I think the drama behind those two teams is just t- must-see TV on both sides. I don't care about Minnesota. I, Dallas will roll them. That will be not entertaining to me. But I do want to see – I want to see how the Duncan Keith uh, um, s- suspension possibly it affects that that series. And I want to see – I want to see those teams – you know, the – the brute size and strength of St. Louis go up against the speed and ability of Chicago. That's that's such entertaining hockey to me. I just said Alex convinced me. I mean, I I've just bought into everything he just said. I was <laughs> yeah. I was going to I was kind of going back and forth in my in my mind 
and I was building up my, my justification for why the Dallas Wild could be could be entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. But Alice just won me over. Yeah, I mean, the I whole, haven't even made the cake yet. The whole styles well, apparently make, you just baked the cake. It was delicious. The whole styles make fights thing. I, I really love that analogy because it's you know with with uh, especially as it pertains to Dallas versus Minnesota. But having said that, Dallas Minnesota seems like. It's something that has to happen to get to the next round. Yeah, Chicago, St. Louis, those teams hate each other. Like, yeah. and we hate them too. I mean, you when you have Brent Seabrook just two or three years ago tried to kill David Backus on the ice, <laughs> you know, and now I honestly think the St. Louis roster is better than Chicago. I do too. I the, really the goaltending's do. better. The defense is better, and we talk about windows. St. Louis's window isn't open much longer after this before they have to do a massive retool. I think Chicago relies too much on young guys, Teravainen and uh, and Panarin, to, to, to get most of their, uh, other than the top two. I think St. Louis top to bottom is a better roster. And they have some huge guys. Colton Pareko. Yeah. I've owned cars smaller than Colton Pareko. He's huge. I, and, you know, you might actually see Reeves play in the playoffs, and that's always hilarious for everybody. Finally, uh, number five, um, we've got, uh, let's see, part of the massive email declassification that was out there, uh, Tom Sigaran was featured in the list of emails, and uh, he was on record stating that he wishes all headshots were penalized. Some of this stemmed from the uh, 2011 hit on Mike Fisher by Francois Beauchemin, and he was also talking. He mentioned that he brought this up before. So, not that we disagree with anything that Tom Sigaran said here. We, we long have all been proponents of uh, less headshots. How would this quote change the game, and uh, what teams would benefit? Um, it could. I, sorry, uh, it, it could. Um, I don't. I don't know that it will. I mean, any any more than any other league change to uh, promote safety. I, I think you know. There's 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 possibility for certain players to uh, to change the way they play. But uh, I think it would. I think it would just benefit everyone. I think it, it would. It would not hurt anyone to to take that out. And um, uh, I, I don't. I don't see it as, as really changing much. Do you think it would at least maybe open up the ice a little bit more? Maybe you would have more scoring, which is the same thing the NHL has always been, you know, we need to figure out a way we need to shrink the goalie pads and make the nets bigger. Do you think that may help? I think, it would, I mean, it would encourage probably better defensive play. It would probably encourage, like, more more sound defensive play rather than just reckless reckless abandon out there. Um, oh, Sigrun's my new favorite person. I love every, I love every bit of that. Now, as far as, like, when you talked about changing the game, um... Or, I mean, when you take if you're going to have some type of real no no pun intended hard hitting legislation like that, you're going to have some initial change to the game. Um, the second part of that I'm curious about is that what kind of style would succeed in an, in a league where headshots are outlawed completely? It, it, for, I, I think no, it shouldn't change anything. Don't hit people in the head. I mean, that shouldn't. I mean, it, it sh- it, if someone gets in the head, it should be purely by accident it should be something that happened by accident i don't i don't even understand the conversation around it don't hit people in the head if someone hits someone in the head with any degree of intent or in the process of doing a hit it hits a, it finishes the check in someone's head throw them out of the game i mean just get it done i don't i don't think it, i mean maybe people are going to take fewer hits great you know what hits do most of the time they put you out of position Here, here's why i think that it would it would improve scoring you you, you mentioned this okay we, we all remember jason arnott yeah and watching him was so frustrating because of his size and his his physical ability on the ice and yet all he wanted to do was stay out of the middle of the ice and not get hit and it was so frustrating because you'd see you'd see opportunities i was talking about this with a friend of mine at the game last night and it 
I, I think in a league, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't, I don't know Jason Arnold. I, don't, I, I have never spoken a word to him, but I would imagine that in a league where that was outlawed and there was no ability of, or no, no possibility of that. Uh, he might be willing to go into those corners and might he be might, willing he to actually... might be able to play for another couple of years. Right. I mean, Eric Lindros, that's like the one of the poster childs, one of the greatest scoring talents in the history of the NHL. The only reason his career was so short was because of yeah. repeated head blows to the head by guys who did it on purpose. Man. And everyone's like, his fault for skating his head down. It's like, do not do not take right. your body and slam another person's skull repeatedly. That's ludicrous that's that's criminal but what's going to be fun to see over the next couple of years is the paradigm shift of how everyone revered scott stevens as a hero and eric lindros as a mm. guy who retired too early to now right maybe hey we're we probably shouldn't have said some of the things we said about eric lindros <laughs> I mean, mo- most of the th- reason people hate lindros because he handled how he handled the draft and that was really his parents yeah we can relate now easy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't even think about that. Well, with Lindros, he wanted to go to a good team. VZ wanted to go to the team he grew up watching. Yeah. It's, I think it's. I think the situations are... I don't even want to talk. We're talking about VZ. Oh, no, Dan. Yep. You, you did it to <laughs> us. Oh, sorry. I broke us over the four-minute mark. All right. But all in all, I, I think... Uh, I, I agree completely with your sentiments there about uh, Sigurand. Like, you can tell that this is a guy who was, has a background in health. You know, he's the guy who found... One of the guys who co-founded Healthways, which is a big player in the health and wellness scene. Um, that was really cool to read that. Um, good on you, Tom. Yep. So let's take a look at the schedule real quick. The last week of the regular season, mercifully, uh, Predators have already clinched. They're probably going to end up with the seventh or the uh, number one wild card spot in playing the Pacific Division. So this week is essentially just a dress rehearsal. As long as they get one point, or actually, as long as they get two points, Minnesota cannot overtake them for uh, the number one wild card spot. They should be able to get two points this week. They, they better. Should. I mean, look what they're playing. They got Arizona on the schedule. They got Colorado, and they get finished up at Dallas. A game that will mean nothing. Yeah, so Colorado Tuesday night at home. Uh, fan appreciation night on Thursday against the Coyotes because uh, you want to play a soft as your says, last game. Yeah, nothing says I love, I love, we love our fans than the Arizona Coyotes coming to town. <laughs> Pretty much. And Dallas on Saturday night for essentially just a garbage time game because both teams will probably be submitted by then, so... Target for this week, two points. Um, do you think they get four? Do you think they get six, five, anything record wise? Doesn't really matter. I mean, me. I'm, I'm, I don't want to go Bigger with question, though. How many games does Carter Hutton play of the three? I was just about to ask that. I think uh, all, all three. No, Pekka's going to play the Thursday fan appreciation game. Yeah, because right. because of of reasons of because hockey of reasons, reasons yeah because of hockey reasons maybe he'll play the first first period and give up three goals and then they'll pull him just like they did against. Yes, come to the dark side, Alex. Welcome. <laughs> I told you he'd fit right. <laughs> uh, you know what? If they go one and if they go one one and one, I wouldn't be totally surprised. <laughs> I kind of want it. It's like you need two points. I kind of want. I kind of wanted to go like one and two, yeah. and just pick up like two overtime points and just be done with it. Right. Lose, lose both of them three and three overtime. That's what I'm looking for. Two three two three and three overtime losses. Oh oh and three. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. oh and three. Well, as long as they, I mean, three, <laughs> watch the world burn at the end of the season. Three, three on three losses in a row. There is to a finish possi- the season. There's still a mathematical chance that the uh, Avalanche can overtake the Wild. It would take the Wild losing out, and, and that the, would be wild. And the uh, the Avs winning all three games. I didn't so, realize they were still alive. Yeah, the Avs are somehow still in it. Um, Patrick was coaching. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. saving the bacon right there. 
Uh, one fun note to end up on, I just got a text message or got a mobile alert that uh, John Scott has been called up to the Montreal Canadiens. Mm. We, we feel good about that, right? Farewell tour? Yeah, probably so. I want to. I wanted to see him walk away from the All Star game, just to you know retire. Yeah, just retire. You know what? I'm going out on top. I can become an analyst because the media guys all loved him at that point. Yeah, that would have been an easy fit. All right. Well, that does it for this episode. Do you guys have anything else before we uh, get out of here? No, I don't. Oh. I'm I'm thinking about eating dinner because I'm very hungry, and then Rattus. I might play some Here's the Storm or a little Stardew Valley. I got some chickens to raise. Mm. All right. I've got a cake to make. Apparently so. Yeah. And we have lots of dinging. Yeah, that was on me, actually. I don't actually. know what today... Today, is apparently, is is iOS ding week. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> iOS has decided to sabotage <laughs> our asses. All right, you can find him on Twitter at 3 d Link. Alex, they can find you on Twitter at... At AlexDarty1. AlexDarty1. Like the number one. You never say my name when you say when you say my Twitter handle, Dan, and it hurts. You can follow Link on Twitter Thank at 3DLink. You. you can follow myself at Dandy Bradley. You can follow the show at OnTheForeCheck. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts. I think that's it right now. I'm still looking to find some more, too, just to get more. We will be soon be on the audio chip that gets implanted directly into your brain by scientists when you're born. Uh, uh, Apple already owns that. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Playoff start. I got our playoff preview edition next week. You guys are prepared for it. Talk to you soon. Because something on my mind